Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, good afternoon, folks, and welcome to another week, albeit one day late, of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Holiday Monday yesterday. Hope you had a great long weekend. Uh, Hopefully you had something to do other than A, going outside, or B, obsessing about the Winnipeg Jets because it was a very, very tough weekend weather-wise. A lot of people basically spent all their time shoveling and then watching the Jets drop two massive games Saturday on home ice to the Edmonton Oilers and then an absolute heartbreaker regulation loss yesterday to the Calgary Flames, giving up a goal in the final minute to come away from the weekend with nothing. Um, We'll be all over it today. We'll get into it with Michael Remus in just a second. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, will join us a little bit later on in the program. We'll also actually head out to Calgary. Our pal Rod Peterson was at the game yesterday. We'll see what he has to say about uh, about the Jets and whatnot, and we'll also get to some of his top stories of this CFL offseason. Um, as always, as we get into another week, a huge thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. We appreciate their support and appreciate your support of them. F Apparel, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. So, uh, Rod coming up in a few minutes. Mike McIntyre with an extended Jets ta- uh, chat a little bit later on. A big welcome to everybody with us in the YouTube chat. And everyone listening on podcast, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. If you do have the opportunity to uh, give us a uh, review and a rating in uh, Apple Podcasts or in Spotify, always helps us spread the channel as well. And of course, for everyone with us on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already, and definitely hit that thumbs up. Let's get Michael Remus in here. Uh, Remo, what's going on? How was, uh, <laughs> how, how was your weekend? Pretty good, actually. Um, aside from, you know, the extreme cold warnings and the mountain, the mountain of snow that seems endless, it was pretty good. What I had, wedding? My first wedding since, like, November 2019. Um, what else was there? Yeah, well, speaking of that, yeah. we should give a big shout-out to, to a great mm-hmm. friends of ours, uh, Shauna Soar, a uh, long-time producer at our old station mm-hmm. along with his lovely bride mandy Shu, who um you know we got to know from the other stations over on pemina highway um just two fantastic people like so many young couples had to push back their wedding over and over yes. again so uh it was nice to see them have such a great time the people out at the event on the weekend have some smiles on their faces because uh that was one some small good news. I joked to Dustin yeah. Nielsen on the lock shop right now. This was going to be like a two-hour counseling session for both Jet fans and myself because I mean, I just woke up today going, "Good lord, minus twenty-eight again." I can't remember the last time I pulled up the Weather Network app on my phone and there wasn't a big red line with either with either one of two things: extreme cold warning or blizzard warning here in Winnipeg. Um, and the one thing I think that can sort of get people away from, you know, the terrible weather, how half the people in this country seem to be completely nuts now, um, you know, is the hockey team. 
And I remember when we finished the game on uh, the show on Friday, I was fired up. I couldn't wait for the Saturday afternoon game, three days off, couple afternooners, and a big opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to sort of build on what they'd done heading into the weekend with those back-to-back wins. Um, but unfortunately, it uh, it didn't happen. And we'll get into yesterday's game uh, a little bit more as we continue, and obviously the current plight of the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll do that with everyone in the chat. Um, but I, I have to say, Remo, the disappointment started on Saturday. Um, you know, basically a lifeless 50 minutes for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, at one point, I think they were the shots were 38-20 for in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and a game that yeah, just, it, frankly, it's inexcusable. To, I mean, to play like that, to not have that sort of burst or energy. And I know they played a lot of hockey. That's just the way it is right now. The other teams seem to be, uh, be handling it maybe a little bit better than the Winnipeg Jets were. Um, but, you know, it goes down to, I really think back to that five-on-three advantage early in the hockey game where the Winnipeg Jet power play did absolutely nothing with it. Nothing with it. it took a lot of the wins out of their sails, I think gave some momentum to Edmonton. You know, when you get two penalties like that early, you know one's coming back the other way. Sure enough, Edmonton got it, scored on that power play opportunity, and never really looked back. And, you know, to the Jets' credit, they battled back in the final 10 minutes of the game. You know, it wouldn't be the first time they came back from a three-goal deficit in the third period. We remembered it happened against them against the Oilers in the playoffs last year, uh, but it wasn't to be. And, um, you know, listen, I mean, a 3-2 game, it ended up looking, uh, you know, maybe being closer than it actually was. Um, but you need to start better. You need to play a full 60 minutes. That did not happen on Saturday. Uh, you know, I certainly thought that they played better yesterday and they needed to against a Calgary team that's been steamrolling everyone in the National Hockey League. But, um, you know, we've said it over and over again. What kills you right now is the regulation losses. Uh, they played a road game well enough to stay in that game. And, you know, once again, puck management mistakes kill the Winnipeg Jets. Kyle Connor, of all people, not able to just handle a very simple routine breakout, turns it over. Ends up being a three-on-two. Next thing you know, it's deflected by Elias Lindholm. It's in the back of the net, and the Jets looking stunned, as many of their fans were, I think, after that game, uh, to come out of this weekend with nothing to show for it. Um, I thought Monday's game was a lot better of a performance overall, uh, but this is about results right now, and the Jets got none of them. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you go back, you summed it all up pretty nicely, but even going back to Wednesday's game and Thursday's game, you just saw the team come out of the gate real slow. You know, Thursday, they were able to come back. Same with Wednesday, too, against Minnesota. But as you mentioned, getting outshot horribly by Edmonton, you know, had some power plays, chances to capitalize. Uh, The power play, the Jets, one for six on the power play. I mean, that's not going to get it done. Although, you know, give them credit. We're uh, on the Oilers. We're one for five on the power play. Normally a very deadly power play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And you saw that on the, what was it? The third goal. Dreisaitl going around the net, backhand pass to a Connor McDavid who had, you know, was all alone uh, next to the net. And I agree. I mean, the first, the first part of that Edmonton game was a total snoozer. I mean, there was nothing really to cheer about. The highlight of the game was actually Brian Little returning yes. returning to um Canada Life Center and i mean i had no reason to cheer up until that point but he they showed him on the jumbotron and i was uh, i was in the stands i stood up gave him a big standing o uh, well deserved it was so awesome to see him in the building and maybe that did give you know, i i joked that he was there to give the team a motivational speech to 
wake them up because after that they seem to, you know, put it in an effort and try to come back. Made it real close. You know, they got some penalties, some power plays at the end there. They should have had more. Um, the defenseman on on uh, on Edmonton who got fined, Nima Linen, cross checked, you know, cross checked uh, Veselinen in the face, got fined for it. At the same time, Morrissey got tripped in front of the net. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if the refs knew this, Hus, but you can call two penalties <laughs> on one play. I mean, it was pretty clear Veselinen got decked there, but I mean, it was too little, too late from the Jets. I mean, it was kind of the classic Jets that we've seen, Hus. Too little, too late. You know, you put in the effort once you're already down, make it close. Slow starts and uh, tough finishes, not being able to secure the point. I saw Scott Billick wrote that in the Winnipeg Sun yesterday. And the effort yesterday, I mean, it was a great game. Calgary's a great team, and they definitely played for them, played with them for 50 minutes. But you, know, you can't score on your power plays, these slow starts. I mean, we've been ragging on the bottom forwards, uh, Adam Lowry with a goal. Um, you know, they had two shorthanded breakaways. On one penalty, I think Dylan had the other one on Saturday. That was wild. I, I couldn't believe how yeah. fast Dylan was on that play. Yeah. Like, Dylan, the wheels he showed on that breakaway were, I mean, that was a jaw dropper. I mean, he wasn't able to score, and then they ended up coming back and getting the goal with Adam Lowry. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned the fourth line, and Dominic Tenenato chipping in again. Um, You know, and... And that's what makes that loss yesterday that much more disappointing. Um, you know, I think you had to feel that if you were able to get to overtime, you get to three on three with the Connors and the Shifleys, you know, in the lineup. I think you'd feel that you had a good chance of getting a second point out of that. And if it went to the went to a shootout, you've got Hellebuck versus Markstrom, two elite goaltenders. You see what happens. But, you know, to have that one slip away the way that it did was, um, oh, man, it was devastating. Um, and, you know, we heard from Dubois and Nate Schmidt after the game yesterday. And, you know, I mean, particularly Dubois, he was pretty forthcoming. I mean, they need to, you know, come out with better 60-minute efforts. Um, They need to instill their way of playing into games and not just reacting to teams. And I mentioned this last week on the show. I mean, the Jets essentially show up for each night and see the way the other team's playing and handle it. I mean, it, it very rarely do they go in and say, this is the way we are playing and take it to the other team. And, you know, it was two perfect examples of that over the course this weekend. And, you know, I guess that goes over to the the bigger um, identity question that, you know, has sort of been a big topic for the last month or so around this club, you know, under Dave Lowry, who are these guys? And yeah, listen, I know there's no Nikolai Ehlers and Perfetti was out and Andrew Kopp was out. You need to figure out ways to, to win games in other ways. And to the Jets credit, I mean, they were in that game against one of the best teams in the league with a minute left, but it makes it that much more devastating and frankly inexcusable to just carelessly turn a puck over with the game on the line and have it end up in the back of your net. Just back to what you mentioned, though, with Brian Little. I did want to touch on that right away. Um, you know, that I was with you, Remus. The minute we saw him up, I mean, I couldn't jump out of my chair fast enough. And, you know, I think there was a lot of folks that took a little while as people sort of realized what was going on, and then it got louder and louder. And Brian Little's not a guy that loves attention. He never has. But that was a real special moment. And, um, you know, again, one of the few bright spots of the weekend was seeing Brian Little and hearing him. I mean, we were at the game, but... Uh, I know Sarah Orleski had a chat with him on the broadcast, which would have been great for Jet fans to see Brian Little. And um, man, you know, you, you look at a weekend like this and they sure miss a guy like that, that, you know, was so reliable, could do so many different things, help in many different ways. And um, right now, it's just not enough for the Winnipeg Jets. And um, 
tell you what, it was great to see Brian Little, but um, I'm sure he, like everyone watching the games, was disappointed with the way that uh, the way that it all shook down. And you know, we talked about you know that big win against Seattle to get to four one and one coming out of the break. Um, and this speaks to the situation that this team is right now, dude. Um, you lose back-to-back games in regulation, um, and you're basically right back to where you started, 4-3-1 and one out of the break. They need to be well in excess of 11, 12 games above 500 if they want to be a playoff team right now. And what happened over the course of the past four days just made the hill to climb that much steeper for the Winnipeg Jets, who really have almost no room for error anymore. Yeah, we said uh, they have to win, what, three of every five. They did step one, but step two, you'd have liked to see them get a win here against Edmonton or Calgary. You know, they could have got a point yesterday, but 40 seconds left, Elias. Uh, Lindholm with the tip in, um, to, you know, put the game away. And that's, uh, that was, again, that was a real tough pill to swallow, and it doesn't get any easier. I mean, you're playing playing Dallas here, who you're battling with, but then Colorado, who's, you know, top team in the league in Arizona. So, We'll we'll see, but I think the Jets, you know, already a team has their forward depth, not what it's been in the past. When you're missing, you know, Nikolai Ehlers, they were able to weather the storm uh, with him out for a while. But Andrew Kopp, I think that's a big big injury for them. And um, Cole Perfetti now down. I mean, these guys are, are the point producers now. As you said, you know, Toninato had a goal, Lowry had a goal, but you need, you know, your you need your top players in there, and they're definitely missing them. Um, Adam Brooks, who they called up, didn't play. Sorry, they picked up off waivers. He didn't play Saturday. You know, he's been Mister. He's been playing the role with the Eric Comrie role with the suitcase, going from team to team. This year, stepped in for a bit on the second line yesterday. Um, you know, Christian Reichel has filled in nicely, but I mean, you can't replace. Uh, it's real hard to replace Nikolai Ehlers, and you know, when you're down, basically a full line of guys who can score. I mean, scoring's gonna be tough. When we talked about the Jets. The record when they can score three or more goals. Well, you know, Saturday you get two, and yesterday you get one. And you know, Connor Hellbuck, he's doing what he can, but I think scoring is you know is going to be the issue, or sorry, is currently a bit of an issue when it's not going for them. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what you move forward. They do have a practice today, uh, optional. I know Murad and Jeff are supposed to be there, but you know, planes seemingly never take off and land on time anymore <laughs> no they're they're uh they're not there so i'll have to wait wait and see uh, i don't think mitch clinton tweeted anything on and shout out to mitch us who filled in for paul edmonds on the yes. cjob broadcast i tuned i uh tuned into it um briefly so uh nice to hear him but i yeah, haven't how seen any mitch, updates mitch like the uh, the ultimate utility man now doing mm. it all for them was uh popped into the booth for the first time uh, to do color when jamie uh thomas was on the list and now with paul edmonds uh, out of action for a few days uh, mitch got a chance to uh call his first game i think on short notice first and foremost though our best thoughts go out to paul Hopefully he's uh, feeling okay, and we look forward to having him back in the CJOB booth very, very soon. Um, but this is how it looks now. Remus coming out of the weekend. Um, you know, a lot of hope after those back-to-back wins. You see how things can change with a couple dubs? Uh, well, a couple regulation losses can go the exact opposite way um, with everything else that happened in and around the uh, the conference on the weekend. The Jets find themselves now back to seven points behind the Los Angeles Kings with the Ducks, Dallas Stars, 
and Vancouver Canucks all in between them. Now the Jets are two back of Vancouver with two games in hand. Um, they are four back of Dallas, but Dallas has one game in hand, and they are five games, five points back of the Anaheim Ducks with two games in hand, seven back of LA with even amounts. Um, the bottom line is there is no calculation that computes out to the Winnipeg Jets being in the playoffs. If you mix in many more back-to-back regulation losses, that is for sure. And you know what? They are going to need to pick it up, go into Dallas tomorrow. Um, That is as close to a must-win as you will have all season long. Um, And they need to do it in regulation. They need to get two points. They need to not give Dallas any. Um, And then see if they can make up for one of these losses by doing something that I don't think anyone will think that they're ready to do, and that's beat the Avalanche in Colorado. Although Dallas did that last week. Um, You do have one more game against uh, Arizona. You have to have that one. Um, We've talked a lot about the five-game segments, and it was nice to get that first win. Um, If you want to get to three and two for this five-game segment, you got to beat Dallas, and you got to beat Colorado. And, uh, well, certainly from what we've seen so far this year, uh, that's not going to be easy for the Winnipeg Jets, and I think that they're going to need to be significantly better than they were in both games on the weekend if they want to pull that off. Yeah, Colorado's been uh, been so good this year. Other other world, really, and I'm you know seeing comments in chat. Can we really complain about the game? You know, no, I think they played a pretty solid game. However, you need to get wins at this point in the schedule. There's no more time for. Well, you know, we liked parts of our game, you know, they, how they always say that. Um, it's all about results, and they didn't get them on the weekend at a time where you need uh, to get results. And, you know, look, the team is 22-20-8. and eight. I mean, some might say that's a 22-28 and 28 record. Um, not exactly, I mean, not exactly over 500 if you want to, like, look at, uh, you know, the reality of wins and losses. And, you know, 5-2-0 points percentage. I mean, it's it's tough here. We want to believe that you know they have a shot to get back into the playoffs, get on a hot win streak. But you, they're just so up and down. Like we'll joke that they'll beat Colorado this week and then lose to Arizona. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think that would surprise. I don't think that would surprise anyone. And that's kind of just how it's how it's been all year. And we keep waiting. Okay, let's snap out. Let's show some consistency. And it's just uh, not here. Yeah, consistency has been a real, real issue for the Winnipeg Jets, and I don't know how many times we've said it. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get from this team night in and night out. I I really did, though, feel that going in to Calgary, I thought we'd see, you know, a real strong game from the Winnipeg Jets. And hey, they were much better than they were against, against the Edmonton Oilers. And even in the third period, especially with that game on the line, I'm I'm pretty sure Dennis uh, said the high danger chances were 5-0 for Winnipeg. Um, but none of that matters if you turn the puck over like Kyle Connor did in the final uh, final minute. And listen, Connor's been one of the great stories of this team so far this season, having an unbelievable offensive year. Um, but you know, you can break down um, you know, many of the things that have been um problematic for the Winnipeg Jets to a few simple things. And one of those is just simple decision making and puck management. And um that wasn't a decision by Kyle Connor. Um, but that was just, I mean, somewhat careless, um, you know, a, a missed play turned over in a terrible place at a terrible time. And um, it's sort of Murphy's law right now for the Winnipeg Jets, it seems, no matter how hard they try the situations that they put them in. 
Um, when they don't do things properly, it costs them. And, you know, the Edmonton game was very different. I thought that, you know, their lack of success early with that five on three sort of put them in a situation where they were chasing up and they didn't really respond until the game was pretty much done. Yesterday was very different. I mean, I love the way they played after they gave up the first goal. I think the next three minutes, they were all over Calgary. Um, you know, they got the goal to tie it up. And I think they were you know, relatively even. I mean, Calgary's a really, really good team. They did have their opportunities. But in the third period, Jacob Markstrom had to make some big, big saves. Um, all that being said, I mean, none of it matters if uh, if you leave the rink with zero points. And uh, now it's off to Dallas with this season. Right now, Remus, I think, realistically, hanging by a thread trade deadline, you know, into March. And, you know, by the time we get to March 1st, depending on what happens this week, um, you know, we could be almost exclusively focusing on the deadline and player movement um, because it does seem like without a run of wins starting now, um, it's just going to be too far of a hill to climb with too many teams in between them. Yeah. And how many, um, you know, it seemed like the Jets had chances to put the game, you know, take the lead and late in the third, especially right before Calgary scored. Some real close, you know, close calls with Jacob Marks from coming up big, as you mentioned. And how many, but how many times has that happened this year? We're like, oh, the Jets had so many good chances. But that other goalie, you know, whether it's Markstrom or Marc-Andre Fleury earlier this week, or you can go to Vimelka, I don't know, Stuart Skinner. Uh, who's the goalie on Buffalo with the who's three names? Uka, Uka, Pekka, something. I'd it's never not, heard of him before he yeah, played and beat the Jets. i never heard of these guys, so... I mean, I don't know what it is if they're just running into hot goalie after hot goalie or they're not getting to, um, they're just not, don't have the scores to put the puck back, you know, in the back of the net consistently. I have, it's just such a, a mystery. Oh, was it was Tristan Jari. I mean, they played such a great game against Pittsburgh and couldn't get, couldn't get the win. And what was the, uh, the Philadelphia game? I mean, <laughs> we're going to be thinking about these, uh, these games here as the season goes on, but I, I mean, it'll be really sad think that you know you'd be completely out of it when march comes around and we got three weeks to think about the trade deadline march 21 i'm already reading you know espn's trade uh targets whatever theirs is called you know everybody's <laughs> keeps, got a list there's like everybody's there's got trade a bait tsn daily face-offs mm -hmm. trade targets i don't know what espn's but i mean cop and stasny seem to be uh, on their way oh, but we'll have to wait and see if there's other you know, other moves, as you mentioned to me before the show, you know, maybe they look to move one of a veteran defenseman and try to play some of these young guys and you try to get some forward depth. I'm, I well, don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I think that you, uh, listen, if Kevin Sheveldayoff wasn't thinking that before this weekend, I'm pretty sure that is in his head right now. Um, you know, accepting the reality of where this team is and, you know, and, hey, you know, it's up to them. Uh, if they want to make uh, tough decisions for Kevin Sheveldayoff coming up in three or four weeks, um, they better rattle off six or seven wins in seven or eight games. Uh, because other than that, I mean, it's pretty clear. The numbers don't don't work out. And, <clears throat> I mean, the Cop and Stasny deals are no-brainers. We're talking about players on expiring deals. Um, you know, it'll be up to the general manager to maximize the value of those players. But when you look at the Winnipeg Jets from a bigger, a bigger picture, I mean, the one thing that I think has to happen is they need to open up some space on the blue line for some of these young players to play um, if that's the direction that they're going. And, you know, whether it's Nate Schmidt, whether it's Brendan Dillon, 
Um, you know, Neil Pionk, I mean, I wouldn't have said this before the season, considering how good that he was, um, you know, earlier in the year or last season in particular, but I think he's taken a little bit of a step back. And I mean, I don't think that they consider trading Josh Morrissey, but to me, all, everyone's up in the air. I mean, the Jets don't have a true stud number one defenseman. Um, those will be in demand. And, you know, I think they've got a lot of hope that some of these younger players can go in and, and make things happen. And the other big part of that is the salary cap. And the Jets do have a lot of money tied up, but what makes those, you know, what could potentially make trading some of those players more difficult, and I guess I'll throw Dylan DeMello in that as well, is the 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 contract values, but also the term left. Much easier to trade guys on expiring contracts because GMs don't have to count for them, account for them in the coming years. That's a different story. Um, and, you know, in some ways, sometimes that's a real bonus. You're getting a guy for three seasons. But at the numbers that some of these defensemen are coming in right now, you know, there could be an argument that maybe those numbers and those contracts beyond this season aren't palatable um, and may hinder the ability to trade those players. Bottom line is, if the Jets don't start winning very soon, this will be the conversation as to who's going to be left after the trade deadline and what does this mean for the team going forward after a lost season that started off with so many high expectations. All right, we'll get Rod's take. Uh, Hot Rod Peterson was at the game yesterday at the Saddle Dome. He's doing a show out in Calgary these days, so we're going to looking forward to checking in with Rod in just a few minutes. And we will also break down the weekend, look ahead to this week, and the current place that the Winnipeg Jets are in with Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, a big shout out to our friends at F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Uh, locally owned and cranking out the finest custom suits for men. Uh, but not just suits. Dress shirts, winter jackets, casual chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Bottom line is, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. We mentioned our friend Sean Asour just uh, got hitched on the weekend. If you're in a wedding party, get on down with your gang. You get 15% off when the wedding party buys their uh, packages from F Apparel. Um, and it's certainly a heck of a lot better to, uh, you know, get a great custom-made suit that you can wear for a number of events than renting something and having to return it back at the end of the weekend. F Apparel, check them online at ephapparel.com or uh, online or uh, pop down in person at 190 Smith Street downtown. Of course, it is Heart Month. And Vita Health Fresh Market is the place for your heart healthy supplements and foods. Stock up at your local Vita Health Fresh Market and get great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, not to mention an amazing grab and go deli with healthy options, including Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And if you can't make it to the store, visit their website to shop online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And uh, our friends at Culligan have just finished celebrating 65 years in business, locally family owned and the go-to people for all things water in Winnipeg. Featuring water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. 1200 Sargent Avenue. Call them at 694-5180 or online at drinkculligan.com. All right, looking forward to this next chat. 
We will have Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press join us a little later on for more on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, always love talking to Rod Peterson. We'll get to a number of topics, but uh, our buddy Rod happened to be at the Saddle Dome right now because he's having a uh, he's having okay. Rod's having a hard time hearing us right now, so we'll uh, see if we can uh, get that get that fixed up right away. Uh, but of course, the Rod Peterson show is on YouTube at 11 a.m., two hours before we go on, usually finishes up going right into Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, the other thing you can do is watch Rod and Darren do their thing at the Game Plus Network. Um, uh, and by the way, our pals, uh, Pat Mayo, Tim Anderson, there was some good cuss corners on the weekend as well. If you have Game Plus Network and you see the Pat Mayo experience, check it out. You will not be sorry. Um, Remo, are we having an issue getting Rod on with uh, hearing us, or what's the what's the word? Yeah, I don't know what the problem was. He said he couldn't. He was pointing to his ear. He said he couldn't hear anything. <laughs> so I'm assuming that he's going like this in the green room. So I'm assuming that means he couldn't hear. Um, I tried requesting his speaker. I don't. Well, hopefully he comes back. We'll, all, we'll see what happens. You would think Rod, after a year of getting guests to come on his show, would be able to, uh, you know, fire it up and do it. Let's uh, let's see what happens. I'm not sure. He doesn't have the headset in right now. So he, he can't hear anything. He can't hear. I don't know that's, what's going uh, on. That, that's going to be tough. If Rod can't hear us, that will be a very difficult way to conduct an interview on Winnipeg Sports I, Talk Daily today. I can phone him if you want. Yeah, phone sure. Him? Yeah, why don't you phone him, I'll see, see what the story is. I will give you a quick look at what's going on in the National Hockey League tonight. Uh, Dustin and I did our uh, uh, another edition of the Lock Shop today. Um, a number of games in the National Hockey League. Uh, Nashville is at Florida. Um, Florida, man, 23-3 and right now at home on the season. And uh, Well, Rod's been down in South Florida quite a bit, so he's seen quite a bit of the Panthers so far this season. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets playing well. Patrick Line rolling these days. They're hosting the Leafs after their loss to the Habs last night. The Minnesota Wild taking on the Ottawa Senators. That's a six o'clock game. St. Louis and Philadelphia also dropping the puck at six. And a couple late games, San Jose and the Anaheim Ducks. Jet fans, I think, will be hoping for San Jose in that one. And the New York Islanders taking on the Seattle Kraken. Some other breaking news, um, and this will get people in the chat going. Sounds like Chris Streveler has another deal in the National Football League. We saw a tweet or a, an Instagram story the, uh, earlier today with the Dolphins hat. And it sounds like Justin Dunk's reporting that uh, our guy Strev is playing uh, or is now going to be playing as a member of the uh, Miami Dolphins, or at least have an opportunity to be on that squad. So uh, I know there's a lot of people that were hoping that we might have Streveler coming back to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Canadian Football League, but I think everybody expecting that, uh, that we do it. Rod Peterson, hello. Hey, buddy. How's it going? How yeah, I don't know. We uh, I saw that you were having a tough time hearing us. No headphones. You're just chilling there at the Gray Owl Casino. There's too much, too much happening right around you, I guess. Listen, it's the Gray Eagle Casino, and I'm having lunch with Mark Stevens, the voice of the Stampeders. And because uh, we get the times wrong, but you know that we're uh, you're what are you an hour ahead of Calgary? Two hours? I don't know. I'm here. That's all that matters. How's it going? You're the man. You're the man. Uh, well, it's going well, although I'll be honest. Uh, 
we were joking this is going to turn into a two-hour counseling session today for Jet fans. I mean, it's been minus 28 for two months. It snows every day. And uh, the Jets had an incredibly disappointing weekend when they needed wins so badly. Um, you know, a performance that I don't think they liked very much on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. And then a real disappointing end to the game last night. It was very tight in Calgary, and you were there. I want to talk CFL and some other topics, but, I mean, what did you think about the Jets' performance yesterday and that heartbreaking way they left with nothing to show for it? Well, I guess I was excited to go to the game for obvious reasons. It was Calgary, Winnipeg, and a lot of our viewers come from both regions. I knew that the Jets were fighting for their playoff lives, still hanging on. And I looked at the goaltending matchup, and I'm like, wow, Hellebuck versus Markstrom. This is a marquee NHL goaltending matchup. So it'll be low scoring, and it was. I mean, 1-1 into the final minute. You all know what happened in the game. But I saw for the first time what Jets observers have been talking about for months, and that is a distinct lack of intensity from the Winnipeg Jets. And listen, I've been watching the Jets, not as closely, but for the last few years, sporadically, and that it's been a decline in their play. And you know all of that. But Kyle Connor was one guy that I was very disappointed in last night. And between him and Line A back in the day, I used to say, hey, this is the fastest team in the NHL, but you can skate both ways, guys. You don't just have to go towards the opposition end fast. You can come back, too. And I thought Kyle Connor was, I call him a floater on my show today, and I would say that here today on your show, I was very disappointed in his effort. I was excited to see Adam Brooks, former captain of the Regina Pats, playing for his hometown team. And while he can skate with anybody, there's a minus in the game and didn't get a whole lot done. And I just, the, look, we're talking about going up against the hottest team in the NHL yesterday. Um, the Oilers are not. There's not as much of an excuse for what happened on Saturday in that game. But it was, it was disappointing. This is the Jets that I was afraid I was going to see. They are lacking spark, intensity. Shifley, I barely noticed other than special teams time because he's going to get those minutes. Pionk playing his balls off. The usual. Probably the best Winnipeg Jet player as far as I was concerned yesterday. But this isn't this is what I had heard they were going to be and they were. So I get why people are upset in Winnipeg today. Yeah, well, I, I mean, Rod, I think overall there was, um, I think, legitimately cease, uh, legitimately high hopes for this team going in. I mean, you know, we'd all spent, you know, an entire summer obsessing over what the Jets had, what they needed. And, you know, everyone, including Kevin Chevalier, thought they needed reinforcements on the blue line. And, you know, certainly you bring in Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt, and you expect that that, you know, is going to shore up your blue line and everything else should take care of itself with that much talent they have. But it's pretty clear that, you know, this mix of, you know, of forwards in particular um, you know, there's still, and listen, they are missing Nikolai Ehlers, who, you know, it can't be understated how important he is. And then you mix in no Andrew Kopp, no Cole Perfetti. Um, listen, you pick up a guy off waivers and he's playing in your top six in his first game. I think that sort of speaks to where they are, but there hasn't been those guys in the bottom six that have really stepped up for the most part. And they are so reliant on those top two lines. And if Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor aren't scoring, and if Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler aren't and don't have it going, it's pretty tough for this team to win uh, win hockey games. And the game on Saturday, we mentioned, was a little different. I mean, I thought they sort of started slowly. They had a five-on-three power play that they didn't do anything with early. It took a lot of the momentum away that anything they could have gained out of it. 
Edmonton scores a power play goal a little bit later on. And, you know, it wasn't really until the final 10 minutes the Jets really made some sort of a push. Yesterday's game, I think they figured they knew what they had to do. And, you know, to their credit, they hung in there. I thought both goaltenders played very well. And especially in the third period, the Jets had some pretty nice chances that were, um, you know, were stopped by Jacob Markstrom. But, uh, I mean... It's just the it's the same story. Um, the lack of puck management and doing the little things properly at times continues to kill the Winnipeg Jets. And you know we talk a lot about the defensive play of Kyle Connor, but I mean that play was on his stick, Rod. I mean that is needs to get out in the National Hockey League one hundred out of one hundred times, not ninety nine. And um, the fact that it was turned over where it did and ended up back in the net, just in some ways, is a, it, you know, is is a big is a small example of a big picture that has really plagued this team because man, they've left a lot of points on the table so far this season. Well, and it was the play in both ends for Kyle Cole, Kyle Connor that I was particularly disappointed in from Monday, and I and I don't like to single out just one guy, but it's like you know, Line A was the whipping boy for the longest time. Who's next in line? You know, and, and uh, shoot, you know, there was a lot of Jets fans there yesterday. You probably saw my, some of my social media posts on that. I'm like, am I in Winnipeg? What's the deal here? Which was cool. Really cool. And I talked to some of those Jets fans and they said, we haven't been the same since Buffalo left. And I don't know what the edge was that Buff brought, but it was something, you know, the, the Winnipeg Jets are missing something. I ran into Ken Day off at the game yesterday, Kevin's brother high up in the Saskatchewan government. And, of course, he's not saying anything about his brother's team. Just tough to see the Jets struggling right now. And I just think of Chevy, and I, he's had a really tough time because the last time you and I talked, us, it was, when do you blow this up and realize it's not working? And for guys that are following it as closely as the general manager or even the media that's watching shift in, shift out, I can sit here from the outside and say, it's over. You know, And I'm not saying that you can, you know, Connor Hellebuck is a, is a guy that you don't touch, but somebody sent me a list of like 12 untouchable Winnipeg Jets. I'm like, that's your whole team, really. Like, you got to have less than, you got to have three, four untouchable guys and the rest move and do it now because now's the time. This team isn't getting better. And it's not like you haven't spent hours upon hours sitting there talking about the fact that Paul Maurice must have seen this coming. I mean, Craig Button was on the set of our show here at Gray Eagle a few weeks back saying clearly Paul Marie saw this coming and that's why he jumped instead of being pushed off the cliff. So that's what I see. It was somewhat listless. The spark is gone. I feel bad for Dave Lowry because I think he's a tremendous coach and it was real cool. The talk here was the matchup yesterday was the master against his student, Daryl Sutter versus Dave Lowry. And I feel bad talking about a game that was one, one into the third period. The Jets were terrible, but they didn't win. And it just showed up again that they're just not good enough in these big games and how what to make you think that that's going to change oh, i gotta give a shout out to our buddy free oleg hello rod oleg love you oleg love you all hashtag free <laughs> free love face mr michael remus is not a monster exclamation mark marbles yes good old oleg and i do see our pal free oleg jump into your youtube chat quite often Great to see how many people uh, bounce around from both of our shows in the uh, in the digital space. Rod Peterson's with us. Um, hey, Rod, just fill us in. Uh, you mentioned there was a lot of Jet fans there. What was the crowd like? What was the atmosphere like? I'm always interested in kind of, you know, especially in these couple weeks as we're sort of closer to reopening. I'm interested in finding out what the atmosphere and the, the buildings are like right now as so many teams are challenged with getting butts in seats. 
Well, it's funny. We are, as you know, broadcasting our show from the Gray Eagle Casino, and we're here for five weeks. So we've been here for a long time. And um, the last time we were here was just a few weeks ago. And there was nine, it was 50% capacity in the saddle room, and you couldn't buy food or drink. Fast forward to this past week, and it's still 50% capacity, but the food and drinks open. And it reminded me a lot of the Stanley Cup final last year where we were at in Montreal. And uh, while they were only allowed 8,000, supposedly, people were like, there's like 14,000, 15,000 people in here in the Bell Center. <laughs> for the, so these, what I'm saying is yesterday, some of the Flames people were saying, we had almost a full house for Toronto. You know, when they were here a couple months ago, it's just weird. But officially, if you go look at the game sheet, Andrew, it would say 9,600 and change. Was at the game yesterday, and the concessions are open. So it's coming, is my point. The restrictions are still 50% capacity for venues, 500 people or more. But March 1st, everything's going away. Masks off, 100% capacity. So this is building. The Flames won their 10th in a row overall. Also, their 10th in a row at home. There hasn't been excitement in this city for the Flames like this since 2004. And they're expecting a full building and a long run. That's the talk. That's well, the and, and then, and you know what? I, I'm sorry, but I went, I went to junior A games, and WHA games, and Roughnecks games, and everybody's just, they're just busting at the seams to get out and fill these facilities. Well, you know what? It is nice for people to get back out to doing the things that they like to do. Um, I, I will mention, I mean, obviously I spent a lot of time over this past year doing uh, Flames Talk with uh, Pat Steinberg on 960 in Calgary. And, you know, it's just amazing of where we are right now because all summer coming off last season, which was just an abject disappointment. I mean, firing the coach, Sutter came in. I mean, they made a bit of a push at the end, but not much. And, um, you know, there was a lot of people. I would say the vast majority of people in Calgary thought that it was time to move on from this core. Um, Brad Treleving obviously believed in the core and in their head coach, and we're seeing the results now. And, you know, I have a feeling, Rod, that many of the conversations that we were having last summer about Calgary will be similar questions as to what Kevin Dayoff will, can, and should do, both at the trade deadline and in the offseason. Because in a lot of ways, the season that the Jets are having right now, somewhat comparable to the disappointments of the Flames missing the playoffs last year in that Canadian division. Well, consider this for one second. The Flames, since 89, have gotten out of the first round twice. So they've had a dreadful history here of playoff non-success. So there's some people that are cautioning everybody, say, hey, yeah, we're great. We're tying team records and so forth. It's still regular season. So they haven't done anything yet. I'll, I'll caution you of that, Hus. But, I mean, we've had a parade of hockey people come down here to the Grey Eagle, including Kelly Rudy and Craig Button and Perry Shockey. And we've all said this Flames team has been great for years. They've underachieved. And that's what's led to a revolving door of the coaching office. I would submit that the Jets aren't in the same situation. They've been good, the Jets. They've made it to a conference final, correct? And lost out to Vegas. The, the view from the outside, feel free to agree or disagree, but is that the window is closed for what They missed their opportunity, and now's the time for a rebuild. It's not a change of coach, tweak, and we're good situation. That's what everybody's thinking of the Winnipeg Jets. Again, feel free to agree or disagree. But it's not, it was simple as in changing the coach. They tried it. It doesn't seem to have worked. 
Yeah, well, no, you're right, Rod. I mean, certainly you're, you're echoing the comments of many people in the chat. I mean, I think when you look at the way this team is put together and the contracts, I mean, the window was supposed to be the next three years. That's what, how long they have Connor Hellebuck signed, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, pretty much the majority of that blue line, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor. Um, but if you're continuing to run it back with the same guys and the same results, um, I don't know how much you can expect things to be that different. Now, um, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a maybe there's a lesson to be learned in what's happened with Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames so far this year. Mm. But honestly, right now, that's a tough sell to people that have watched this team um underperform as to what they thought their uh, the expectations were coming into this season. Rod Peterson is the host of the Rod Peterson show. You can watch him daily at 11 a.m. Central on the Game Plus Network. And of course, you can do it on YouTube as well. Give the guys a sub. And when you're finished watching Rod every day, pop on over as we get started at 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. You mentioned you were jumping into some junior rinks. Uh, you got a chance to do the ice game with Munsey on the weekend. Uh, a yeah. very uncharacteristic weekend for the ice, losing two in a row as the number one team in Canadian hockey. But uh, how how was that and uh, what did you think of the ice despite the fact that they came up short well i called the games last year in the bubble in regina if you recall and a lot of winnipeg ice games and i talked to james patrick at times about how great his team was last year and he's like well if you think we're good now we're going to be better next year <laughs> and look where they are this might be the week where they get knocked off the number one ranking for the first time in what would be 13 weeks but I think they went into the weekend with six regulation losses on the year. They're coming out of the weekend with eight, right? And I don't think that's sitting too well with James Patrick. I think the silver lining for them is that there was, just on the game Saturday night in Red Deer, there was a lot of teaching moments. There was a lot of mistakes made by Winnipeg. It would have been nice, I'm sure, to keep that loss total to single digits for the whole year. It's going to struggle now. And that game in Edmonton was a marquee game against the Oil Kings, which they lost that one too. So Winnipeg's still a tremendous team i just think they got a little took their eye off the ball on the weekend and that's not always the worst thing you know i'd rather lose now than playoff team playoff time obviously right and james is a good enough coach he knows that but it's a good team to watch but um it wasn't their best weekend rod uh let's quickly hit the cfl i know you got a great piece at uh, rodpeterson.com on your top 10 cfl off-season stories um uh, I, I joked that you said you could have made one through ten the reemergence of chris <laughs> jones in edmonton uh, but let's start there. I mean, let's start at the West overall. I mean, the Bombers have been doing their best to bring all these guys from their back-to-back -back championship teams back. I think Kyle Walters has done a, as good of a job as could be expected. Um, but Edmonton, I mean, speaking, we were talking about Calgary and how disappointing the Flames were last season. Uh, a CFL version of that was the Edmonton Elks. It was a disaster from start to finish. Everyone got cleaned out, and now... Chris Jones is back in Edmonton. Um, uh, I mean, you know this guy. I mean, he is a, he's a unique individual, somewhat polarizing, but the one thing he has done is win. Um, what do you think about the Elks with their new leadership, both at the top of the organization, their new head of football ops, coach, GM, Chris Jones, and all the new players that signed, including former bomber Kenny Lawler? Well, there's a bit of a renaissance coming in the CFL. That's a sense I've got lately with the new president in Edmonton, Victor Quee. That dude is cool. If you haven't searched him, do it. So it starts at the top with Edmonton and the new ownership in BC, Amar Dolan, Dolman, a guy that I see watching our Instagram story. I'm like, what? An owner's on Instagram? You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. And then just with the Elks, the only thing for them is they're in a very tough division because I think it's going to be Winnipeg, Sask, and Calgary throw three names in the hat for how they finish 
Edmonton's going to struggle, I think, to get a foothold. Jones is already doing Jones things, you know, like going through a record number of players already. Um, but he's just interesting to watch. He's got his gang back together, brought back to Ron Carter. Manny Arsenal, Adarius Bowman. Like, what are you doing, Chris? But that's Jones. Like, it's, I can't call it a train wreck because there's nothing saying it isn't going to work, but it's highly entertaining to watch. And he makes the CFL interesting. I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs or not. It's a, like I say, it's a very tough division, but I'm not going to count this guy out. You know, you mentioned uh, Duran. It was a great piece. You had Duran on the show last week. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, first it was Arsenal. Uh, then it was a Darius Bowman. And then Deron Carter. But what's interesting, it, 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 am I correct to assume that he's bringing him back to play DB? Well, that's what's been reported. But, you know, what Deron said in that interview was he'll play anywhere. What I don't think people understand is Deron can play anywhere. And I've seen it with my own eyes. He can kick. He can play quarterback. He can obviously play wide out. And he was player of the week, the only week that he lined up on the corner against the Calgary Stampeders and recorded a pick six against both. So uh, nothing will surprise me with Jones or Duran. He's just that good of a player. And I can tell you this, after being out of football in 2021, well, two years actually for Duran, he appreciates the game more. He said that in the interview. I think you're going to see the best of Duran Carter to come because he, he appreciates the game more than he did before. Rod, great having you on the program. One more for you. And I know there's been a couple comments in the chat. I've been meaning to ask you, when are we going to get you on the Canada soccer bandwagon? We are just about to qualify for the World Cup. It's going to be the biggest story in Canadian sports. What do we need to get you on side? We need Canada to qualify for the World Cup. How about that? Well, that's pretty much happened already. Well, when uh, pretty much isn't happened. It's done. So let's, it's let's over. Will you be that. watching the games? We have three more World Cup qualifying games. I believe the last one at home is the 27th of March. I, I'm expecting after that game to turn on the Rod Peterson show and you be wearing, maybe you can turn into full soccer guy with one of those scarfs in the background, but definitely well, a nice red and white kit, maybe an Alfonso Davies 19 on you and uh, getting ready for November in Qatar. Well, I'll uh, listen. I'll, be watching for sure but just give me 30 seconds to explain this part of the reason people don't like me Huss, is that i'm real i'm just gonna tell you the way it is so those it's like curling for soccer i i try i can't but i'm like i don't see the soccer and curling fans at the lacrosse games that i go to i don't see them at the junior hockey games that i'm into you know what i'm saying so I, i'm not into golf i'm into what i'm into and i'm good so i will try but i'm like i have tried it's they're slow. They're slow sports to me. So I will get into it when Canada's into it. I'll cheer for them. I'll wear my red. But I, please understand where I'm coming from. I have my sports, and I like it. I'm not a Johnny-come-lately hipster. I like what I like, and that's me. Does that make sense? You're not a hipster? This is breaking news. I, this, <laughs> that's the quote, <laughs> quote of the entire Ed interview, Rod. Rod. You can go, uh, you know, it. get a nice craft coffee somewhere and get a nice beard oil to uh, to groom that beard. You can grow it if you really want to get on the hipster tip. Hey, pal, listen, um, <laughs> hey, just quick, quickly before we go, um, let people know what you're doing out in Calgary because you got a nice residency there at the casino. Fill people in on uh, what you're doing, where people can find you and uh, the great home that you're in for the next five weeks. 
Thanks, Huss. It's Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. You watch those shows on Sportsnet and various Canadian sports networks without a Vegas, right? Those betting shows and sports shows out of the casinos in Vegas. They just wanted to do the same thing here between Game Plus Television and the Grey Eagle. So that's what we're doing. We broadcast every day, as you said. I appreciate that. 11 to 1 Central. Daytime sports talk on Game Plus TV, available on Bell MTS Cable all across Manitoba. And we're here talking all Canadian sports, but we've got a lot of Calgary sports personalities coming down, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you for that. Well, you know what? I was kicking myself because I didn't really, you know, with everything going on here and just how crazy the world is, wasn't really thinking about traveling. But I was really kicking myself on not coming out for the weekend or at least Sunday in through early into the week, seeing you guys maybe hang out at the casino for a little bit, go to the game yesterday. But uh, we will definitely do that soon. Canadian sports media's number one hipster, Rod Peterson, with us today on the program. Yes, for now. Hey, pal, thanks for doing this. Uh, Say what's up to Darren, and uh, we'll do this again soon. I will. Thanks, Seth. There he is, Rod Peterson, joining us today. Um, We're going to get back to the Jets, focus in on the home team with Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, as we do that. Big shout-out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery, your go-to guys for all things battery-powered in Manitoba. Of course, right now, it's still damn cold. You need that battery to get from point A to point B. And Manitoba Battery has the best prices in town. Most battery, automotive batteries, less than $100 with core exchange, or they'll deliver it to you anywhere in Winnipeg for 115 bucks. If you on the same day, if you order by 1:30 PM and those of you folks that like getting into the water on the water, I should say during the winter, uh, they've got all the flasher batteries to keep you catching fish all winter long on the ice over at Manitoba battery, uh, 1026 Logan Avenue, 787-8383. And, of course, online at ManitobaBattery.com. Our friends at Royal Sports, big weekend at Royal. Again, a bunch of new stuff in. Of course, they're getting Rams Championship merchandise. If you're looking for some of that, that is there on the racks. Those exclusive new Bomber Grey Cup Championship hats, four different kinds are at Royal Sports as well. Not to mention your best selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise with thousands of pieces of many exclusives all over at Royal Sports. Biggest hockey section in the city, snowboards, fitness gear, and so much more, not to mention all the cool stuff on the Kings, skate, snow, and surf side. Pop on over and see him at 750 Pemina Highway. Follow him on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and the sales. And our friends at Royal Sports, are, uh, are not Autocorp, I should say, are... Uh, Getting many people into new vehicles for 2022. Uh, I'm sure between the roads and the winter, you might be thinking it's time for you. Before you do anything in your search for a new vehicle, pop down and see the experts at Knot. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at Knot.ca. All right, let's get to it. Mike McIntyre joins us right now to kind of dissect what happened and what didn't happen on the weekend and look ahead to a crucial week for the Winnipeg Jets on the road. Um, Mike, what's going on? How, uh, how are you staying warm? I hope I am. Yeah. I'm not on, uh, not on this road trip with the Jets. Jeff Hamilton, my colleague is, and I, I can't say I missed uh, the saddle dome very much. That's my least favorite arena and the catwalk of terror uh, to get to the press box. Uh, I had to do that once this year, so I'm, I wasn't disappointed not to be on this particular trip. And 
certainly the uh, heartache of yesterday's last-minute loss by the Jets, although that would be an interesting story to cover. For, for fans of the team, no doubt, uh, just the latest in a, a long list of, uh, of disappointing results for the hockey team. Kind of continuing this trend, isn't it, Huss, of, you know, one step forward, one step back. Um, hard to get a read of what these Jets are, really. Yeah, well, I said what uh, what happened and what didn't happen on the weekend. The one thing that didn't happen was uh, getting any points in the standings. Because um, we knew these are two good teams. Edmonton was on a roll. Calgary was the hottest team in the West going into this weekend. Um, and two very different games, Mike. But, I mean, the one thing, and we heard some of this from Pierre-Luc Dubois after last night's game, I mean, the Jets are, are basically a reactive team. I'm trying right. to think of, I, and I, I was talking with this some friends, when was the last time the Jets went out and decided this is the way they were playing and they dictated the tone and the pace of the game? I can't think of one. And, um, you know, it was sort of a sleep. Let's start off with Ed, the Edmonton game on Saturday because, um, you know, and sometimes these afternoon matinee games are a little sleepy and I know the Jets had played a lot. They'd had the back-to-back games. They were off on Friday and right into it. But, when you're gifted a five on three against a team like Edmonton early on, you know that it's crucial to the game. You either score, take advantage of it, begin with the lead and go from there, or you don't score. You don't do anything for that matter on the power play, which is what the Jets did. And I think it really puts you, um, you know, at a disadvantage going forward. And it wasn't a surprise that Edmonton got a power play opportunity shortly thereafter. And the minute that one went in the game, you sort of knew that the Jets were once again going to be playing from behind and an uphill battle. But what was really disappointing was it took until it was 3 nothing with 10 minutes left to get anything out of the Winnipeg Jets. And, hey, you know, credit to them for battling back and making it interesting. Um, but it was too little too late. And, uh, you know, you could compare the two games. I might argue that that was a more disappointing game than what happened yesterday. It was a heartbreaking way the Jets lost to Calgary. But, I mean, that was a very winnable game against an Edmonton team that wasn't doing anything special. And yet at one point they were still almost two to one in shots over the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, what did you make of the Jets' performance and, and where it went wrong for them Saturday? Yeah, and the you know the power play in a lot of ways was a story in both games, Huss, in that it continues to to not produce uh, at a at a time in a timely fashion. Like the Jets, as you say, they not only did they not get a goal on that five on three for ninety seconds, they didn't even get a shot, which is really unforgivable. Um, you know, it just shows um, whether it's that they're too passive or they're trying to get too cute. And then the Oilers, of course, they come out first power play, 20 seconds in, point shot, tip, goal. Um, you know, almost just shoving it down the Jets' throats to say this is how it's done, boys. Uh, and then last night, of course, or yesterday afternoon, the Jets' power play again 0 for 3. And a bit of a familiar story playing out, Huss, in that the Jets, they're just not scoring enough. Like, we focus, I think we focus a lot on this team's defense and Certainly, we we see Connor Hellebuck getting blamed here and there. The fact of the matter is the Jets are not scoring enough goals, um, and they're not getting depth. I mean, they got depth scoring yesterday. That, they got the only goal from, from a fourth liner, but they got nothing from their top nine. They got nothing on the power play. Um, and, you know, it, it proves costly when the other teams are converting on their power plays. Uh, Flames get one yesterday. Oilers get one on, on Saturday. And... You know, in a 3-2 league where the 
the margin between success and failure is often razor thin when you're losing the special teams battle and then you're not getting a whole lot of a five on five scoring either. Combine that with the fact, Huss, that I believe yesterday now marks six games in a row where the Jets gave up the first goal, which feeds into what Pierre-Luc Dubois and what you just pointed out, that they're just sitting back and they're waiting to see what the other team wants to do. And then they try to react accordingly. And quite often, as we see, it's too late. Uh, But when you're constantly chasing the game, giving up the first goal, now six straight games of doing that, that is not a recipe for success. I mean, the Jets are three and three over those six games. So they have shown an ability at times to to, to come back. Uh, and they almost did it against Edmonton the other day. But it's just not a way to to really have any kind of sustained <laughs> success in this league. And, you know, I, I, I know they're missing Nikolai Ehlers. Certainly now they're missing Andrew Kopp and probably Cole Perfetti as well. That's three forwards that would certainly be in your top nine. Uh, but the lineup is what it is, and they have to find a way to start producing a little more, both at five on five or on the power play, or this season's going to continue to kind of swirl the drain. When was the last time the Jets had a good start to a game? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think I think back to, was it when uh, they were in Pittsburgh there a few weeks back? Um but you're right. I mean, Pittsburgh. It, I mean, maybe maybe the Minnesota game coming out of the break. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a pretty solid, you know, overall 60 minute effort and they didn't give up a goal. So, I mean, they weren't playing from behind at any point right. in that game. But I mean, for a team and this goes back to the conversation. I, I mentioned this earlier, Mike, but I'll, I'll point it to you. Um, you know, in Mark Shifley's interview, when they were asked about the identity and, you know, he said probably not. There was a lot of reaction to that. Um, I mean, we're three weeks further down the road yeah. and I still don't think we have any more clarity to the answer to that question other than they just react to who's in front of them and will try and play up to that opponent or uh, but the fact of the matter is that the teams that aren't as good as them or that they should be able to go and say, this is our game. This is what we're going to be doing, especially on home ice. That just hasn't happened. And that's got to be a mystery for Dave Lowry. I mean, Dave Lowry, I'm sure, sits around looking at these guys that he's been around with, knows what they are capable of times to do, and it must must keep him up at night wondering what he has to do to get this team to buy in and do what they can do from the opening drop of the puck for a full 60 minutes. Yeah, so let's go back to the Edmonton game. It must just absolutely baffle him why the Jets that we saw in that third period, why why can't that team, why can't we see that team in the first period or the second period? Um, and, you know, clearly he doesn't have the answers to it. And I guess it's a bit of a chicken or the egg kind of question, Huss, is that, does that fall on the coach? Is that the coach not getting his players prepared? Or are we past the point now we're on the second coach of the year? Does that speak to the group itself? And particularly the leadership, you know, the the veteran guys, the core guys, that they're not the ones, that they're not getting themselves and each other ready uh, for, for the task at hand. And I don't know the answer to that, but I suppose, you know, some of these same questions were ones we were asking when Paul Maurice was behind the bench. Certainly this year, when you look at the ups and downs, the Jets were very streaky under Paul Maurice this year. They They had that really good... You know, they started off with a couple losses, then they go on that red hot run, then they lose a pile in a row. And 
So, you know, those are things that in the past with these Jets, we didn't see a whole lot. They were a remarkably consistent group. Um, you know, I think they had a couple seasons in a row where they, they didn't lose more than two in a row at any point in time. Um, and that's why they were constantly in the mix for, you know, not just a playoff spot, but among the tops in their division. Um, the more inconsistent you are, that's why the Jets are where they are, where they're now outside the playoff line and with all kinds of ground to make up. And if they continue to kind of spin their wheels like this, there's no hope of them making up that ground. And it's got to be frustrating to Dave Lowry and to the brass of this team. You know, you look at yesterday's game, kind of a, a microcosm of a lot of this team, you know, they played a pretty good road game yesterday. And I thought the third period, they, they were doing all the right things, but one mistake at the worst possible time ends up in the back of their net. And of course it comes seconds after the Jets had a glorious chance of their own to take the lead at the other end. That just kind of sums up uh, a lot of what's been going wrong with the Jets this year and kind of a fitting way, uh, I guess, for this latest game to end. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And and you know, listen, Kyle Connor's been you know one of the top players on this team. He's been getting it done offensively. Defensively, there's still are you know moments where he's in the wrong spot or whatever. But this, right. Mike, the, what happened and the demise of that game yesterday in the final minute, I think, is a much bigger problem that has plagued the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't want to say it's decision making because that wasn't a decision to do that, but it's basically s simple puck management and game management i mean realizing the situation and i was saying to the guys you know what this is where you have to get this game to overtime you get your one and with the players the winnipeg jets having the guy in net i would say they should have as good of a chance on most nights to pull the second point out against just about anybody in the nhl despite the fact that they're somehow three and eight when getting to overtime and that's another story entirely but um, you know, again, it's not to single out Kyle Connor, but I mean, he was the guy that, I, as I said, a hundred or a hundred times that needs to get out and it didn't last night. And, you know, I think we go back, you know, game to game. We want to do an autopsy of this season so far through 50 games or whatever. I mean, those plays that good teams make very simply just the Winnipeg Jets sometimes have a hard time doing that. And it's very hard to put your finger on why that is, Mike. But there's no doubt about it that that is something that has been an anvil on the Winnipeg Jets in the standing so far this season. And maybe no better example of it than last yesterday in the final minute of the game in Calgary. Yeah, and it's why, you know, I, I keep coming back to this, Huss. Like in this market, we, we're obsessed to a degree in this market on, you know, nitpicking over who who's the who's on the third pairing on the blue line and who's on the fourth line. And, but the fact of the matter is when you look around the NHL, the teams that are near the top of the standings, it's, it's a star driven league. It's not the NBA for sure. It's not where one guy can carry a team. Just ask the Edmonton Oilers, but it is a league where night in and night out your best players, your highest paid players, how they perform is is quite often the difference between a win or a loss it's not you know sure it's nice when you get depth contributions and you need that of course it's a team sport so for the jets i think you know we spend so much time kind of bickering in this market over some of these less important roster decisions and at the end of the day i, I think we sometimes overlook the importance of guys so when you have a kyle connor who there's no question his value to the jets and 
more often than not, he does the kind of things that help the Jets win. But yesterday's a perfect example where the game is kind of on his stick to a degree and he makes the wrong decision and it costs the Jets at least one point, possibly two. And that's not to pick on uh, Kyle Connor because you could go around the lineup and find other nights and other players that have done sort of really head scratching things. So uh, when we talk again about the power play not producing, the lack of offense. I mean, we talked, I think, last week on the show, Huss, the Jets had something like one win in 21 games this year where they don't score uh, two or more goals. Well, they've added another couple losses to that this week where where they don't get that, you know, that third goal, that all-important third goal. This team is not built to win those low-scoring games, and this team shouldn't be having trouble scoring goals with the firepower it has but that's been an issue and you have to look at your stars more than your depth guys uh, when you're trying to maybe assess some blame for that. Has we lost your mic there. Sorry about oh. that. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Just the, uh, the old, you're that was speechless. a self mute. That was a self mute. Not Remus's fault. Not Remus's fault. That was a self mute. I was cracking a diet Pepsi while Mike was drinking it and I didn't want to put it on. Um, but listen, that's a big reason why we were talking about Mark Shifley so much. Um, right. you know, heading into the all-star break because, you know, while and certainly he had a big, big boost along with Blake Wheeler coming out with some big offensive performances and lo and behold, the Jets won games. Um, but again, you know, right now, fairly or unfairly, those guys bear a lot of the weight of the uh, offensive performance of the Winnipeg Jets. Their ice time dictates it, the opportunity on the power play, all that, it needs to happen. And, you know, all of a sudden, when Mark Shifley goes cold for three games and doesn't end up on the score sheet, lo and behold, we have results like we've had this weekend. And, um, you know, a lot of the talk, and when I brought it up, I mean, you know, it's easy for us to focus on that, and it's true. I mean, if Hellebuck has a rough game, if Mark Shifley and those guys aren't playing, you're probably not going to win. There is definitely room for some more guys in the bottom six to sort of chip in and help out, and the irony of it was that that sort of happened. Right. But it doesn't matter. You can have all the great performances from guys on the third and fourth line. If you're not getting it from the top six, you're not getting two points. And a pretty good example of that from uh, Saturday and Monday. Yeah, I mean, Dominic Toninato's uh, got points now in three straight. So that's that's a nice little pleasant surprise. But the Jets have only won one of those three games. So you, you hate to kind of waste a game where you do a lot of really good things. You get some depth scoring. You get a pretty nice performance from your goaltender you limit the opponent you know to their chances but then you still uh, end up on the wrong side and don't get rewarded for it and you know to me as we get closer to the trade deadline I guess it's four weeks from yesterday so just under a month now I mean it has to be causing some pause for thought within you know Kevin Shovel Day off his office and you know as as you look at where the Jets are and kind of assess what you're going to do come the trade deadline um, you know, maybe this team as it's currently constructed and certainly now with the injuries that they have, maybe they're just not good enough. And that's, you know, why we've talked about the need perhaps for a kind of a full audit uh, heading into the offseason uh, of, of what this team has, what this team needs and what they what moves they have to make to kind of fill those needs. Uh, we kind of thought they had done a lot of that last offseason. 
the proof kind of, as they say, is in the pudding. And, you know, the Jets are not a playoff team as we sit here today. And they've got a lot of work to do if they want to become one. Uh, and it doesn't get any easier, of course, uh, with this road trip. You know, they're, they have an opportunity again tomorrow night, Huss. They're playing one of the teams that, you know, in, in my opinion, they're playing the team that they're probably going to have to overtake uh, for that final wild card spot. I mean, Nashville's come back to earth a little bit. So I suppose fourth place in the division maybe isn't the lock uh, that it looked like a couple weeks ago. But I do think that there's a good chance, you know, especially with, I think, two, five central teams are getting in the playoffs, the top three. And then I think both wild cards end up going to central teams. So that means da- Dallas is one of them right now. And so it's a it's a massive game tomorrow night against Dallas. And then, of course, you face the team that if you were able to squeak into the playoffs, that you're probably going to have to face in the first round of the playoffs. That would be the Colorado Avalanche who annihilated you the last time you played them. Uh, these next two games, and I know we keep saying this, but we'll learn even more about these Jets between now and Friday night. And if if they rack up two more losses here, I think you can pretty much turn out the lights on this uh, on this season. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, I'm a generally positive person. I'm certainly hoping for the best for the club, and I have tried to kick the can down the road on this season. Let's see what happens this week. See if they can get themselves back in the conversation. I will admit that waking up today, or even basically as soon as that puck went in the net yesterday afternoon in, in Calgary, um, you know, I kind of was thinking to myself, well, maybe this this is what this year is. And, you know, right. it's incredibly disappointing. Um, but it does then, you know, move to the focus being on Kevin Sheveldayoff. I'll just say this quickly about this Dallas game. I mean, I know we said, oh, it's crazy to say these games are must-wins at this point in the season. This is a 100% must win. Yeah. I mean, they lose to Dallas. You can pretty much, regardless of, you know, maybe go in and pull off a miracle in Colorado, which would be great, I guess, for fans to see. I mean, the Dallas Stars are that team. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, getting into fourth, fourth place in the central right now seems like a complete pipe dream. And you're still dealing with three teams in the, in the Pacific that you need to jump over. But if you're not catching the Dallas Stars, the rest of that is moot because you're going to be sixth place in your division right. and sixth place in the central division does not qualify for the Stanley cup playoffs. So, so, I mean, this really is it. And I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess there's a question, you know, about the leaders on this club. And we've had this conversation a few times this year about where are those players? I mean, certainly coming out of the break when, you know, I'd said on this program, it seems like they've really accepted their plight where they are in the standings. And, you know, we were seeing a renewed energy and, uh, you know, from, from Wheeler, but especially from Mark Shifley. Um, but, you know, considering the way the game went on, on Saturday, you were wondering whether some of the, where some of that was from their most important players and, you know, bringing this back to the general manager, Mike, um, you know, and I'm sure they've had a number of these conversations or discussions within, you know, higher level management or Kevin Sheveldayoff discussing with himself when he's breaking down where you go from here. Um, but the fact that he's being forced to have these thoughts and these discussions now in the month of February, I think is probably so stunning to those people in the building that once you get to the point of accepting it, if in fact, you know, they are pretty much out of it in the next week or so. Um, I think a lot of things that would have never been thought to have been on the table before, 
um, could very well be significantly considered right now, whether that's at the deadline or whether that's into the offseason. Because um, I don't think there's any way you can look at this without saying it's just a huge disappointment for what Shevel Dayoff at least thought was that this group was capable of when they dropped the puck and started 9-3-3. and Right. Yeah, they were flirting with first place in the Central. They were flirting with first place in the Western Conference, uh, you know, 15 games into the season. And then, of course, it all started going downhill. So here we are today, Haas, the Jets. They're essentially now caught up on all those postponed games, right? Yesterday was the end. I guess there's that one Ottawa game that's still left uh, that was that, that that's going to happen in March later in March. But other than that, of the nine postponed games, uh, eight of them have now been played over the this Olympic break that was that was to be. So the Jets are kind of back in a way where they were supposed to be in terms of games played now at this point in the season. And you're right, I don't think anybody would have predicted that they'd be seven points out of the final wildcard playoff spot with 30 games left to play here. Um, you know, I don't know how many of those 30-ish games the Jets have to win now. Uh, it, it's probably north of 20, uh, put it, it that is. way. It yeah. is. Um, so that, you know, that's a, they got to win like two out of every three at minimum here uh, down the stretch. And that's not going to be easy whatsoever. Um, I am curious, you know, we don't know how close Andrew Kopp is to, to being able to return, he wasn't put on IR, so perhaps he could be available as early as tomorrow. Of course, Andrew Kopp is one of the guys that may be gone uh, in a matter of weeks if this team can't get it together, because I suspect he would be a valuable addition to a contender, uh, and the Jets would be wise to get whatever they could uh, for both him and Paul Stasny. Um, but if you're Kevin Chevaldeoff and the Jets as a whole, uh, you don't want to, you know, put that that everything must go sign yet on the franchise because you would like to still think that you can hang in this race. Um, but certainly in a results-oriented league, uh, we're long past the point of moral victories, you know, so whatever you want to call that game yesterday in Calgary, as many things as the Jets did well, the fact is they came out of it with no points, and that's not acceptable in a league where, you have to you have to produce right so we'll see what they can come up with tomorrow night in Dallas but I'm with you Huss absolute must win uh must win in regulation too so um we'll just see what this Jets team is able to muster if they can ratchet up the urgency and I'll tell you what uh not falling behind for a seventh straight game <laughs> would be a good start uh so we'll see if the Jets can get the first goal that would be uh that would be a bonus right there. Mike, let me ask you this, um, just you know, regarding the deadline. Um, I mean, Kopp and Stassen are the guys that we always talk about. And, you know, I, some people have, I think, maybe some inflated thoughts of what those guys will, you know, fetch on the market. Um, I wouldn't be expecting any first round picks coming back to Kevin Shevel Day off. You can squeeze a second or a third out of a guy like Kopp. Great. Um, I believe Stastny moved last time for a fourth at the deadline. So, I mean, it's important to know, but two part question. If Kevin Shevelov's trading some other players, what do you think is he's looking for back to come back? Is it simply draft capital or is it maybe more along the lines of hockey deals of, you know, money in money out of guys that can come in and 
help this team, not necessarily this season, but down the road. And outside of Kopp and Stastny, who, was, who, who or what area of the club do you think is most likely potentially to change when we get to that deadline? Yeah, so a couple things there to digest. And I, I really wonder, Huss, if, if we're getting to the point where bigger, you know, moving more than just your pending UFAs, and I'll throw Nathan Bolio in there as well. Maybe they could get a sixth or a seventh round pick, you know, if there's a team that wants to add a depth guy, you know, as a seventh or an eighth blue liner potentially. Um, but other than the three, you know, UFAs, Bolio, Cop, Stasny, um, if we're looking at potential hockey deals, like that's where I wonder if True North steps in and says to Kevin Sheveldayoff, like, hold on a second here. Um, we we, we, we want to make sure that, you know, we first of all, we got to decide if you're the guy that's going to be making these decisions for us going forward, right? And that's why I'd be stunned if we see, you know, a so-called hockey deal, you know, player for player, you know, term for term, that kind of thing. Um, happen by the trade deadline because I, I would think that the organization will might want to just say hold on a second here we want to wait till the summer you know till this season ends and then they got to assess first of all if Kevin Shoveldayoff is the guy that's going to be making these decisions and if he is then fine proceed but we want to make sure we're all on the same page here and if he's not well you got to be careful what you're doing if you're going to usher in kind of a whole new regime. Right. And so to me, I think hockey deals and Kevin Shoveldayoff mentioned it a couple of weeks ago at his availability, that that is something they would certainly be looking at. I just would be surprised if we'd see it now, as opposed to waiting to the off season. But if we're talking about what kind of hockey deals, I mean, to me, um, I would look at the blue line and what you might be able to get, whether it's a Dylan DeMello, whether it is a Brendan Dillon, um, even a Nate Schmidt, right? I, I don't think they look at trading Neil Pionk. I really don't. And I also don't think they look at trading Josh Morrissey. But again, one of the, one of the silver linings in a way to this season uh, has been getting glimpses of guys like Johnny Kovacevic, Declan Chisholm, Vili Heinola. We've got guys like Leon Gavonke, who's having a great season with the Moose, and he might be a player sooner or later, you know, pushing for work at the NHL level. Like, I just wonder if, if you're looking at changing the balance or the mix of this team, if the idea is that, hey, mate, we've got a surplus of older, established blue liners with term, um, and we've got some young guys pushing for work that it's going to be tough to get them integrated as you know with with what we have here right now maybe we could flip one or two of these guys for something else some some scoring help and again if Kopp and Stasny are gone after this season well that's a couple top nine holes that you now have to fill right either through free agency or trade so um, to me that's the area that I think more than anything is now a strength for the Jets, is the blue line depth. And they have, of course, a number of established guys that are signed well beyond this year. And I think if you're looking at a hockey deal, you start there on the blue line. Yeah. Um, how do you think that the term, like just take a guy like Nate Schmidt. I mean, Nate Schmidt was making a good buck and just about six million bucks, and he's got two years left on his deal. 
How much do you think that may hamstring Kevin Sheveldayoff if they were open to trading a player like that? Because, you know, even if you can fit a guy in for the remainder of this season, if you're another general manager, you're still thinking like, okay, that's a pretty big hit. This needs right. to be a guy that we're going to count on and play for the next couple seasons and it'll make us better. Yeah, and, and again, I'm guessing that a team that is wanting to add a guy like Nate Schmidt, you're not talking about a team like Arizona or Ottawa, right? That's still a few years away from being a contender. Like you're probably a team that feels like you're close and you just kind of like the Jets were last summer when they added Nate Schmidt, <laughs> that we need a, a piece or two to maybe get us over the hump. So in, in a way, the Jets are looking for a team not unlike themselves last summer, but similar to the Jets last summer, Huss, chances are that team is probably also in cap hell and doesn't have a whole lot of money to play with either. And so you're right. That adds, um, that adds a bit of, of, uh, of, of a wrench, if you will, potentially to the situation. So do you have to add in a sweetener? Do you have to um, take a, a, a contract back? And if you do, is, is it offsetting whatever positive, that the trade would be bringing you. So these are factors for sure that would have to be considered. And that's why I say like, these are potentially complex, you know, decisions that aren't just going to alter the immediate future, but also a year and more down the road. And if I'm true North, I got to make sure that the guy that's in charge right now is the one that I want making all these decisions. And I just don't know, you know, if the Jets fall woefully short of a playoff spot this year for all the great work. And I'll be the first to say I've written lots of columns about it. I think Kevin Sheveldayoff has done tremendous things for this organization. Um, certainly his staff as well with the drafting and developing that they've done. But again, results oriented business. And he, this is now season 11 you just wonder at what point does the organization say we need a, a new voice? And I don't know the answer to that, but I suspect we're going to find out in the coming months. I will say this. I would be absolutely stunned if Kevin Sheveldayoff isn't the general manager through this summer into next season. Now, maybe if this is as disappointing a season as it looks like it is trending towards being, I mean, maybe the leash is a little shorter. Maybe you get into next season and there needs to be results, but um, from where I sit, I mean, just knowing the way this organization has operated, how long they've stuck with particular people. And I think legitimately, you know, how the pieces that are here right now, I, I would be stunned. But other than that, I think just about as everything is on the table. Uh, I mean, I think that if this con season continues to go the way they go, um, what will be fascinating is how they handle a coaching search. Um, because I think Dave Lowry had the opportunity. And again, this is just from where I'm sitting. If he can turn things around and get more out of this team and get them into the playoffs, I think they think, okay, we've seen the results. Then you're going to get an opportunity to go forward. If that doesn't happen, that's a very, very tough sell to the fan base to yeah. come back that way. Um, so, uh, but, and again, then we start talking about the core and, you know, we had some of these conversations. I mean, I don't believe that at this point, that Mark Shifley is the untouchable that he was for, you know, for his career. And there's a couple of things that go into that. Part of it is what's happened on the ice. I think there's some questions as to like, is he the guy that's leading this team into, right. into the next level? And I mean, I certainly have questions about that myself, and I think a lot of other people do, despite how talented he is as an offensive player. 
Um, and then you think about the value of that Shifley contract and what you might be able to get back in some sort of a deal, which certainly would be a hockey deal. But you're talking about a guy with a very affordable contract considering the production that he gives. And I mean, if they ever got to the point where thinking, okay, we're getting out of the Mark Shifley business, we want to maximize this asset. If I would have never thought that that conversation would have even been had this year, but if it is, um, you know, the value of getting a player like that for two full seasons and three playoffs is massive. And you want to significantly shake your core or change this team. I mean, that's what you would do to do that. Now, there's huge risk involved in that as well. And if you're trading your number one, number one, A, one B center, you better be damn sure you're getting a player that can come back and can fill some of those roles. And then as well as some other pieces. But I mean, there's many options that the Jets and ways that they can go. Um, but I would imagine, and just where I'm at, Kevin Shevelyev will be the guy making those decisions, but they will be the most important decisions maybe of his entire tenure as GM, and his future may depend on that. Yeah, and so I think you're right, Huss. If they're going to move a player like Shifley, you better be getting something back that is stepping in and contributing immediately because if you're doing it just for you know, picks and prospects, that's not that's not a retooling. No. That's a full-blown rebuild. And then you may as well strip it down completely at that point. Um, I know Blake Wheeler's got the, the no moves, so that would be tough. But again, even with some of those, so why are you keeping Nate Schmidt and Brandon Dillon and guys like that around if you're going full rebuild? Fine, build the team around PLD, Cole Perfetti, you know, Chaz Lucius down the road, Billy Heinola, like uh, Kyle Connor. Those are your guys you're building around Nikolai Ehlers. Um, so I, I don't think we're going to hear or see the term, you know, rebuild because I don't I don't think you go from a a cap ceiling contender, which is what the Jets certainly feel they they are, or at least they were heading into this season. I don't think you pivot that dramatically that quickly. So I think if we're talking about where this team is going into next season, you're talking more of a retooling of the roster than a complete rebuilding. But could you conceivably move a Mark Shifley and still sell it as a retooling? Well, depending on what the return is, absolutely you could. Uh, but again, if you're if you're just dealing in kind of futures that might help you a few seasons from now, well, then that's something very different. And I don't think that's what the Jets... <laughs> Uh, intend to do. I don't think mm -hmm. that's what they can afford to do, quite frankly, in this market. Um, I, I don't think the fan base is going to tolerate that kind of, they don't have the patience for that. Yeah, I mean, and and listen, I think a lot of other guys in that room that have committed to the organization that have, you know, whether you're talking about any Ehlers, a Connor, a Connor Hellebuck, a Josh Morrissey, right? Um, you know, you know, all of that. Last one for you on the way out. Um, very interesting to see what's happening in Calgary right now. They've won 10 in a row. They're first place in the Pacific Division. They're the hottest team in the league. This team a year ago was one of the most disappointing teams yeah. in the National Hockey League. Um, Daryl Sutter came in and, you know, played out the rest of the season. And then they came back. And, I mean, I did a ton of radio all summer in Calgary on Talking Flame. And the vast majority of people wanted to blow it up. You got Johnny Goudreau with one yeah. more year. I mean, they're all, we can go down the list. I mean, but it seemed like that team was at the crossroads. And they stuck with that core. They gave Daryl Sutter the opportunity to come in and establish what he, the changes he wanted to see. 
And now this team is, I think most people would agree, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. It doesn't hurt that Markstrom's playing out of his mind as well. Right. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, what what are you thinking? Like, does that example, do you think that resonates inside of True North right now, thinking that, you know, maybe it is a coach and someone that can get a different thing out of this group right now, considering all they've put, all they put into it? Or have we already been through that road trying to run it back with this group a number of times? And, and, and when you look at this season, the way it's gone, if it doesn't turn around significantly, sort of the end of the road for this group because of this particular season. No, I, I think you're bang on, Huss, and I think it would give them pause for thought uh, for some of the reasons you just outlined, that you know they didn't make dramatic personnel changes this year. Really, it was a lot of patience that they, that they showed, and as you say, a, a fresh voice behind the bench, and a lot of players who, you know, not unlike the Jets, their core, their stars are now getting it done in a way that you'd expect for guys that are given the roles and the salary that they are. So for sure, it would probably cause the, the true North organization to say, why can't, why can't we be the Calgary flames of next season, uh, given what we have in place. And, you know, it wouldn't be that far fetched of an idea because you look at Calgary and what they've been able to do without major personnel changes. It's just a different approach a different mindset and a clean slate. Um, you know, and one other thing, I don't know that people talk enough about Calgary in this sense, Huss, but to me, I think it's silly not to consider this as a factor in this COVID interrupted season. The Calgary Flames were one of the few teams that got hit by COVID all at once. Like they had pretty much everybody out of the lineup at the same time. They got a bunch of games postponed early they were pretty much the first team to have games postponed what it did though is it brought i remember daryl sutter saying this is before they returned to play after they were coming out of their COVID break sort of saying well it's kind of funny that we're now the healthiest we've been all year and you know the flames they knew at that point they weren't going to have any more COVID interruptions these guys weren't going to test positive again that what they had they were there to stay other than injuries, of course, that might crop up. And I think that's a huge factor in this season. And we're, we've seen it with the Jets with, you know, two or three guys at a time coming in, coming out. Now the injuries with Winnipeg. Calgary's had remarkable consistency since that COVID outbreak. And I don't think we can discount the value of that in a season like this. Um, that's not to say that, you know, th- 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 their talent is clearly getting it done. But the fact that they've been able to roll out mostly the same lineup night in and night out, um, I think is a big plus for them. So for sure, when we go back to assessing this jet season, you know, whether it's at the trade deadline or in the summer, I do wonder if there's enough, not excuses, but explanations that are built in here that would cause the organization to say, let's, let's just cool our jets. No pun intended. Let's not get too crazy here we still think we have the making of a good hockey team. Uh, let's try it again next year, not unlike what Calgary did, and see if a little patience pays off. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, well, you're not on the road this week. What do you have cooking in the free? I got a lot of days off this week, which is nice, Huss. Uh, go enjoy the weather. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go make snow angels in my front yard uh, 
Um, no, I'll have a couple columns later uh, later in the week. I'm actually writing about curling later this week, a rare curling column from, from yours truly. I'm going to address the issue of uh, the so-called crisis in Canadian curling and calls for summits. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't buy any of that. So giving my column away a little bit, I, I actually think it's great for the sport and uh, no reason to panic. So if you like uh, if you like curling, you'll be able to read something from me later this week about that. I love curling. And of course, we had a couple of Manitoba teams getting ready for the Briar coming up yeah. next week in Lethbridge with uh, Gunner getting the uh, wild card spot. And of course, Team McEwen uh, representing Manitoba. So we'll look forward to that. Mike, stay warm and uh, and try and stay positive right now. Between the team losing, it being minus a million every day, half the country going completely nuts. Uh, we're just looking for small victories right now. So uh, maybe the Jets get one tomorrow night and put some smiles on people's faces. They better hurry hard in Dallas. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Right Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, at Mike McIntyre, WPG. There's Mike McIntyre joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, well, we mentioned Princess Auto there. May as well get right into the Princess Auto curling report because it was a quiet weekend uh, in the sport, but coming up on March 4th, it is the Briar. As I mentioned, two Manitoba teams, Jason Gunlickson's in as a wild card, and Team McEwen, proudly sponsored by Princess Auto, will be wearing the Buffalo. Uh, looking forward to talk. We'll get Reed Carruthers on probably just before, maybe from the event at some point. And Colton Lott, uh, one of the top young players in the province, is going to join us in and around the, uh, the, the Briar as well, get his thoughts after playing against a number of these top teams and falling just short to Team McEwen in the Manitoba final. Of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors are curling, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them at one of their two local locations or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Speaking of online shopping, many of you don't want to go outside, and I don't blame you one bit, but you don't want to be without your Little Brown Jug. And Little Brown Jug now delivering three days a week, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays citywide. So uh, if you do need the great taste of that 1919, maybe the double, or heck, grab a winter variety pack, you can go to littlebrownjug.ca, put everything you want in the basket, check it out, and get it delivered to you Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturday here in Winnipeg. Of course, you can get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your favorite watering hole, uh, beer store around the city. But if you're down in the exchange area, pop down, grab a pint, and do all of your shopping in person at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. And a uh, big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. When we were there for the gold medal game last week, had a couple after a disappointing game Saturday afternoon down at Bell or, uh, Canada Life Center. Uh, but with the games back on before and after, pop down and visit Crystal and the gang at Boston Pizza City Place. And if you're not going to the game, there's no better place to get together with friends and watch it on the big screen with big sound than your local BP. And of course, you can also order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, Remo, great stuff with our pal Mike McIntyre on the Winnipeg Jets. Fun stuff with Rob as well. And, you know, I've been paying attention to the chat throughout. Uh, a lot of frustrated fans with many takes, thoughts, um, and opinions on where this team is at heading into the Dallas game tomorrow, as well as how it pertains to what this team could and should do when we get to the trade deadline. 
Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of discussion. Do they blow it up? Do you retool? And I think um, I think T. Will said it pretty good in the chat, Huss. I'm going to try to pull it up. You said they have a lot of pretty good puzzle pieces. They're just not fitting together to make the right picture. Oh, here it is. So I don't butcher it. The Jets have good puzzle pieces, better puzzle pieces than the picture they've put together. So I was pretty close. And I kind of agree. I think you got a lot of solid players, but... Maybe you have too many of the same type of player and you need, you know, you can't win in Nintendo ice hockey with all skinny guys. You got to throw some fat guys <laughs> and medium guys in there too. So uh, I think they're, I think you look at Calgary last year where I was very high on them and they disappointed me and everyone, you know, over and over again. And you see them this year in first place. I think if you can look at what they did and somehow try to replicate that. Now I know Johnny Gaudreau is now in a contract year. I don't think there's any Jets going to be in a contract near your next next season. <laughs> but um, I think you look at the players, you know, they brought in, you know, Blake Coleman, you know, maybe you get some of more of those types and you're, you're okay. But I do think, you know, you look at the team, they have a lot of talent, you know, a bunch of talented forwards, but I think they have a lot of defensemen, a lot of young defensemen who need to come in and play. You know, maybe you can move out one of your veteran defenseman and get some of those picks back. I don't know if you get more than what you spend on a Nate Schmidt or Brandon Dillon, but it just frees up, you know, frees up some salary, which is important and also frees up a roster spot for, you know, when you're young guys, you can use some of that salary on a, uh, on a forward. Hey, here's some other interesting uh, comments. Here's Stonewall Dave. The Jets had a few minor roster moves for the summer and a new coaching staff with some pedigree in place. I could accept the idea of one more year to roll with this core. And I think some people will certainly be on side with Stonewall Dave there and others will be like, hey, it's time to make some significant changes to this. And then the godfather, our boy Mitch, and this is an interesting one. It frustrates me how this fan base loves to eat their own. It's not the players as much as it's the guys wearing the suits upstairs behind the bench. Back up the truck. I'll be honest, I kind of disagree with this one big time. I don't think that there is a, there are very few markets that are more generally positive, um, giving the benefit of the doubt to their, especially their players, than here in Winnipeg. And I'll say the media as well. I mean, you know, we've had some interesting conversations this year. Uh, especially in the MSM, if you will, about where the team is. But I think it's because of just how disappointing this season has been, uh, as opposed to what the expectations were at the beginning of the season. But to be honest, I think this is one of the uh, the, the the lightest markets uh, in the entire league, both fans and media, on especially the players. Um, if you think it's bad here, you know, spend a week in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. My God. Um, and, and the bottom line is the expectations were at a certain level. And I think justifiably so people bought into that. Um, and no one could have imagined that, you know, we'd be having these conversations right now about potentially trading key players in the team and being big time sellers at the trade deadline. Um, you know, before we even get to the end of February, Reem. Yeah. Again, we, and maybe the coldest take of all time, we raised the off-season champions <laughs> banner. Although it's all I, our fault. It was Pierre Lebrun who called them off-season champions. That's why we raised it. It wasn't us. It wasn't us coming Not out and fault. saying it. We didn't declare them. It was Pierre Lebrun. We should be blaming him. But uh, yeah, I never saw this. I thought they. I looked at projections. I thought they'd be in a mishmash for you know one of the last playoff spots. Like firmly out 
before March, major disappointment, and you'd have to look at how things uh, how things are going. So well, and, and uh, Pat Canuga, uh, what the heck happened after Game Fifteen? Nine, three, and three, and then meh. Sure, some easier teams early on, but appeared there was so much to build on. And let's not forget that was at a time where they missed Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler for a good portion of those games. So, um, you know, listen, there, there have been some things that have changed. And the one thing, and we haven't talked about it a lot, but my God, you really felt the loss of Nikolai Ehlers on the weekend. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, while and we talk a lot about the lack of energy at times with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Ehlers, not from being a physical nature, but just his incredible speed and playmake ability, you know, can add in a lot of energy and not to mention score. Uh, and the team's been lacking energy, and it's certainly been lacking consistent goal scoring right now, Remus. And, um, you know, again, you know, you can call it an excuse or you can call it a, a reason, whatever you want. The one thing I'll just tell you right now, and we haven't, you know, spent a lot of time beating on the drum of this. My God, this team is a different team without number 27 in the lineup. Yeah, and, and I agree. Like right now over the weekend, they're missing a pretty solid line in cop. You know, if they don't play together, but. They're missing three dudes, Cop, um, Ehlers, and Perfetti. And those are guys who you count on, you know, to produce points, especially Nikolai Ehlers. And, you know, when you're having trouble scoring, it's real tough uh, having those guys. And, I mean, you're playing guys. I mean, they don't. who are they playing at second line uh, wing? Adam Brooks, who they just picked up off waivers? Like that, that tells you all you need yeah. to know about where the team is right now, both with the injuries that they're dealing with, but also the depth and the lack of guys in the bottom six that have shown anything to be ready to step up into that spot. Um, you know, whether it's Veselin in one day, Sveshnikov in the doghouse the other day. I mean, the fact that Christian Reichel has been able to come into this line and, you know, be elevated to the third line was a guy that moved up when Perfetti got hurt, I think tells you all you need to know about how underwhelming many of the players in the bottom six had been this year. I mean, at times we've seen some glimpses from Jansen Harkins but it just hasn't been enough. And, you know, Dominic Toninato, who was a guy that I think most of us thought would be a depth player, maybe a press box guy, uh, has been the one guy that is sort of contributing on the PK and scoring a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's it's a pretty damning situation that you pick a dude up off waivers and he starts the next game in your top six, playing with arguably your two best players of the season in Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. And what's damning about that is that there was nobody else that was there knocking on the door for the opportunity when it presented itself. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what we like to pick up on Friday because we're like, all right, uh, Perfetti's out now. Who's going? Who's going in the top six? Like the guy, this guy who's got three goals on the season, or the guy who's got four goals? Which one? And, and I mean, and was the guy who they picked? Who wasn't even on the team the day before? Who they picked up off waivers? Who's bounced around from team to team? And I know they got you know Connor Dubois, and they can probably play with anyone. But I mean, it's it's tough. And Stasny, you know, he started out the season you know on what the third line. Now he's playing on the first line. So. I mean, I'm not surprised they struggled to score goals over the weekend when you look at the guys who are out. I think you're happy that they only gave up two goals to Calgary at, you know, not including the empty, I don't, I don't include the empty netter. And that's what, I mean, they showed they can play, but it's just not, they've always been just short and it's again, over and over the same, a lot of the same here. And you know, we laughed at Edmonton for a while. Well, they changed the coach, went on a heater and here kind of changed, changed the coach and they've, 
I don't want to say got worse, but they definitely got more more injured, and I don't think their record is as good. COVID, you know, COVID and the rules killed the Jets' ability to get the coach bump. You know, they, they won that yeah. one. They won the one game against St. Louis, and then everything was shut down until the new year. Yeah. They won the first two coming out of the break, so they did actually get a three-game winning streak after the game against Washington the day that it happened. Uh, but you missed out all those extra potential wins during the canceled games. And, uh, well, now they've been made up. We were heading into March in a very critical condition for the Winnipeg Jets. What a big game tomorrow against the Dallas Stars. And then Colorado on Friday and Arizona on Sunday before coming back and starting a very busy home schedule during the month of March against the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I got to give a shout out to our pal Nick and uh, Nick and Nicky DQ. I think Nick's finally back from his taco tour of Mexico. And uh, well, he's been drinking to eating tacos for three weeks. Now he can get back and try the amazing new burgers available at Dairy Queen. Uh, new patties, buns, sauces, and more um, with all the great selections, including the signature stack burger and the loaded steakhouse signature stack burger. You can pick them up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ Niverville and DQ Northgate, both with drive throughs drive throughs excuse me, DQ at the Polo Park Mall, and the DQ on St. Anne's out in St. Vital. By the way, you can order online, skip the dishes, or Uber Eats for DQ fans out in St. Vital. And of course, hit them up online, DQ Manitoba on Instagram. If you'd like to put an advance order in for a DQ cake, they'll get it custom made for you and ready to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. Uh, still a little bit of time in February to take advantage of the great savings on Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Of course, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and our proud sponsor when it comes to uh, the liquor game. Of course, CC, Canada's favorite since 1848. And right now, look for the Canadian Club display at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts uh, with great prices for the month of February on Canadian Club Original, Canadian Club 100% Rye, and Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve. And make sure to join us on Friday for another chance to win on the Canadian Club Marble Race here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Let's get to the Cool Bet lines for tonight with our friends over at Cool Bet. Dustin Nielsen and I did do a new edition of the Lock Shop earlier today. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Just search Lock Shop or go to check out on Twitter. Uh, We've got the full broadcast of the show earlier today. Uh, We did get in. We both dropped a parlay for tonight, uh, but six games in the National Hockey League. Leafs going at it back-to-back after that disappointing night against the Montreal Canadiens last night. They're in Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. I'll be honest, I kind of like the Jackets to get keep this game close. I think I'm going to take them on the puck line, plus one and a half. Uh, and they're now above two to one on the money line if you think that uh, the Leafs have a couple stinkers in a row. Uh, plus 205. Nashville is at Florida. Jet fans certainly hoping the Predators can... Uh, Extend the Predators' losing streak. Florida, minus 122 favorite at home. Same number for the Minnesota Wild Lane, minus 222 on the road. And a perfect number for today, because I did see about a half an hour ago, we just missed 222 on 222 of 2022. So twos are wild tonight, and the Wild are laying 222 in the minus uh, in Ottawa to take on the Sens. St. Louis, another minus two, two, two. Maybe they're doing this just because of the day. This is the odd of the day, minus two, two, two. 
Same number for St. Louis and Philly against the struggling Flyers. Anaheim minus 154 favorites at home against the San Jose Sharks. And then New York Islanders minus 159. They're in Seattle take on the Kraken, who just lost last night to the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And uh, if you want, you can still get in on your NHL season bets. But amazing to see that Flames number just crater over the past couple of weeks. 23 to 1 when we talked about it about three, two weeks ago. Now 15 to 1. Uh, but Remo, the Avalanche, still the clear cut favorite at plus 425, almost half the odds of the next team in Tampa, Florida, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean, they've been a powerhouse. Their depth is considerable. They're probably going to make a move at the deadline. Uh, they, but they have had playoff dis- disappointments, especially last year where you thought that they should be at least in the finals. So, I mean, anyone can win. Anyone, you know, maybe they run into injuries. Who knows? So maybe you're better off going with, as uh, you, you said, Calgary. I kind of like Calgary. They got the goalie. Uh, you want Carolina. Mm, I'm not sold on Boston, Pittsburgh. You know, hard to count them out. Or maybe even Minnesota has uh, who's looked pretty good. So. I don't know if there's as much value there, but you had hard to argue against Cal- Colorado being the favorite. Well, I mean, I, I put out on the, the mean streets and on the lock shop about two and a half weeks ago that Calgary was the best value bet because of the coaching, goaltending, everything they've got seemingly going on. They haven't lost since then. So that's part of the reason why the yes. number's gone from 23 to 1. Uh, down to 15 to 1. Uh, again, folks, use the promo code WST if you haven't played a cool bet before. Uh, you'll get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at Cool Bet. Honda Classic Lines also out for the golf tournament coming up on the weekend. And you can check out our picks for that over at the Lock Shop and in today's broadcast of the Lock Shop. Um, Remo, before we go, a couple other things to get to from the weekend. Of course, the Olympics, you know, finished up. Very weird Olympics and sort of underwhelming Olympics for me personally. And I know, I mean, we've, what is it? Three straight Olympics that have happened in Asia where essentially it's been complete reverse clock, everything happening overnight. That didn't help things. COVID certainly doesn't help at all. Um, You know, a limited number of media over there following it. Um, And obviously then first and foremost, the lack of NHLers really took a lot of the steam out of the men's hockey competition. Uh, but when I think back, I mean, it'll really be about well, Charles Hamlin for sure. But, you know, the women, Canadian women's national team as the highlight of the games. And I think far and away that Canada USA game, uh, USA gold medal game, the signature moment of the games with the controversy and the figure skating, uh, the lack of the men, um, you know, disappointing results for Canada in curling, as Mike McIntyre mentioned, although I did really enjoy the tournament. I mean, to me, our memories of this event are going to be another Canadian gold medal in women's hockey. Absolutely. And, you know, we ha- we said last week there's an average about, you know, one point something million viewers. But we found out today from CBC peaked at 2.7 million viewers for that game, which was, you know, started at 10.10 Central Time. I mean, that's 11 o'clock in the East. And so I, that's a really, really strong number and i agree that was the highlight of the games um we did have another hockey final on the weekend i don't know if you tuned into finland roc on saturday night i got really sad watching that game i'm like wow this is 10 o'clock on a saturday wouldn't it be awesome right now to be watching this at a packed house you know if there were nhlers and it's so 
uh, disappointing the way it turned out. But like, congratulations to Finland. I saw former, uh, what, he was in the Jets organization, UC Okanora was on Finland. Um, Marco so, Dano, bronze yep. medalist. Marco Shout out to the Slovaks. Yeah, there you go. So uh, it was a pretty entertaining game at the end, but you know, not NHL, but congrats to Finland. And all I saw was tweets about how well they've performed you know, at the World Juniors, the World Championships, and the under-18. So Finland, you know, what are there, 5 million people, and they're this good at hockey. Uh, well done. Well done for them. And I think we all enjoyed watching uh, ROC lose because Germany almost put yes. them away four years ago, wasn't able to. And uh, very happy to see Finland win. And, After you know, everything that happened, I don't even know how, like how ROC is even in the Olympics. Well, I th- I, that's a, another entire story I and think conversation. That, I think that's why people are sick of all, all the BS. I mean, there's all the political stuff with China, which is a turnoff for many. And then you have the stuff with ROC and you saw it on display uh, during what, during the figure skating, which to be honest, I didn't, I didn't even watch, but I read all about it on, on social media. You know what? Uh, speaking of that, uh, Isha Boy Bruce has just mentioned, and it actually wasn't. He asked about, did you hear about the Norwegian skier who froze his member? It was actually a Finnish cross country skier who suffered a frozen penis in the 50km race. And uh, apparently, Reem, this was, uh, you know, some really extreme conditions. They actually shortened the 50k to 30k. Um, but you know, when it's really cold, I didn't realize, I mean, yeah, these dudes are just basically wearing tights for that long out there. And, um, unfortunately for, uh, for the, for the Finnish skier, he, um, maybe could have used a couple hot shots down there or something like that. But a, uh, a, a frozen member, first time I'd ever heard of that. And, uh, tell you what, you, you put it all on the line for Olympic gold, but I didn't anticipate a story like that. Yeah, Remy Lindholm said he needed a heat pack after finishing 28th. And when he started to warm up, the pain was unbearable. And that was, I mean, that's the number one story, the Olympics this weekend. Um, The Finnish cross-country skier with the frozen penis. And that makes me feel uncomfortable when I think about having to go outside and shovel here in these extreme cold warnings. I mean, you can do what you can, but I mean, after a certain point, um, you know, when you're out there for too long, your body gets frozen, and um, yeah, I mean, I never thought that that was a thing, but apparently it had happened to him before, Huss. So I don't know if he's got like something special with his area, but uh, this was quite the headline over the weekend. The uh, the Finnish equipment manager for the cross country skiing team has his uh, has his work cut out for him. Let's just say that. Um, hey, before we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I don't know when the last time we checked a weather app and there wasn't a big red line at the top of it. But yes, we're still in the extreme cold warning. But it looks like we're going to actually crack minus 20 by the weekend. Friday is going to be minus 10. Saturday is going to be minus 10, which frankly is going to probably feel like about t- about 10 above. Shorts weather. And as we get into Monday, actually a single digit negative. But it's crazy, man. I mean, right now, the average high is minus 7 degrees Celsius. I, we hit that once maybe in the past six weeks. Um, it's got to warm up sooner or later um, because that, that's one of the few things that I think could get a lot of disappointed Jet fans being a little bit better about their plight right now because everyone's nuts. It's Arctic 24-7 right now. And, Man, those games on the weekend were uh, were tough to take. It seems like the end is near right now, barring a crazy turnaround beginning tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars. 
Yeah, I agree. Wait and see. I do have a couple other notes we have to mention here. People were asking us in chat. I saw it on Twitter. It's a big anniversary today. I really didn't care about this, but if you're a Leafs fan or a Leafs hater, you might. Two years ago today was the David Ayers game when he came in. <laughs> and I mean, I know I didn't care, but I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Like, you know, the guy who was what? The Leafs Zamboni driver, emergency back, coming in and scoring a win for Carolina. Again, like the, the emergency back goalie is a story that doesn't happen in any other sport. So, I mean, we saw it here. Maybe because we've seen it here already with Scott. Was it Scott Foster? against the Jets, or which was it Zane Kalemba? I'm forgetting forgetting all of them. I think it was Scott Foster who got who came in again the win against the Jets. Zane so. Kalemba, it's funny you mentioned, I just see uh, our buddy Gitch has just popped in, and I think he's talking about the Finnish skier, but he said it happened to a guy around Steinbeck once, Peter Friesen. Yeah. We, I think that was, a, that was a joke. But Gitch has yeah. often said he wanted to get a Zane Kalemba jersey. That he'd be the only, it would definitely be the only one in existence outside of the one that Zane Kalemba, in fact, owns. Uh, yeah. Ebug, the, the, the Ayers victory did wonders for Ebug awareness in and around the National Hockey League. It's crazy that, uh, that it's a thing. Yeah. And people saying he got a rookie card. I mean, he's a hero. They were selling like t shirts of him on the Carolina website. So it is an incredible moment in, in hockey history. But, I don't, so it's, I've been seeing it on on Twitter. I didn't know it was today. I guess Leafs fans are well aware of it. <laughs> uh, but there it is. I don't have any other. Oh, yeah, the Nathan McKinnon thing. Uh, slashed a linesman on the weekend. I guess he meant to slash another player and slashed uh, the linesman. That was linesman. the way I saw it. I know a lot of people, and I got you know a bunch of tweets. I think maybe Mitch had put something out and tagged a few people, and there was a bunch of back and forth. I mean, I saw that a few times. I thought he was just whacking a dude and missed and inadvertently hit the ref. Now, that still is a penalty. I'm not sure that he's going to get, you know, a massive suspension or anything like that or should. I mean, I really did think it was an accident because if it's not an accident, I mean, that's straight up to the commissioner. So the NHL PR tweeted out a statement a little over an hour ago. They basically said they investigated the incident. It's determined that the player's intent was not to strike the official, but to initiate contact with the opposing player. No suspension. Now, I see people in the replies saying that Antoine Vermette did the same thing a couple of years ago and um, did get suspended. You got to be in control of your stick, Huss, at all times. You got to be <laughs> in control. And if you're a star player, though, you're not going to get suspended. But if you're a fourth line, they'll make an example out of you. So... Uh, McKinnon, yeah, he he wasn't going to get suspended for that. It seemed like it was. He's got to too clean of a track record, or does he? Does he? Didn't he? Uh, I think he's been giving out some dirty hits uh, recently. Yeah. Well, listen, I just thought that it was a complete accident. I thought that was pretty clear from where I was saying it. I wasn't <laughs> expecting anything to happen. So, uh, although heck, if uh, he was somehow wasn't able to play against the Jets on Friday, it's a home game for them. But uh, you know. Would have been more than happy to see someone else fill McKinnon's shoes but or skates, but he'll, of course, be there. But we'll get to Friday when we get to the weekend. Tomorrow, it's the Jets and the Dallas Stars, as we mentioned before with Mike. I mean, hard to imagine anything coming out of this season if they can't get a win against the Dallas Stars tomorrow night, coming off that heartbreaker yesterday in Calgary. Uh, practice today. 
we'll get ready for the game tomorrow. I believe Ken Weeb's going to join us tomorrow, working uh, around a few of the guys with their schedules. But uh, Ken will be on tomorrow. We'll tee up the game in Dallas. We'll also have more from around the rest of the National Hockey League. And um, I know we were going to talk about Aaron Rodgers today with his cryptic no. Instagram post last night. Do, but do, Don't need to. I don't want to get sucked into it. He's too much of a drama queen. He's just begging everyone to be talking about him. Uh, we'll wait till we find out one way or the other what's oh. happening with Aaron Rodgers. It's your boy Bruce brings this one up too. I don't know if you saw it over the weekend. The NBA slam dunk competition. I was fired the up worst. For, for Saturday night. It was horrible. Um, but Jalen Green ruined any momentum that it had trying the same dunk seven times. Needs to be a limit. Like if you try the same dunk twice in a row. Like what happened to the clock? Didn't they used to have a clock? What was that? They have tried so many different things. It seems to get, it was, it was almost banned. And then like Zach Levine and a couple guys came yeah. in and really, you know, got some juice back into it. Um, one of the all time worst. And there wasn't one person that said that, Oh, I'm glad they watched the slam dunk contest was... on the weekend. Um, and I hear just a quick, funny gambling story. I actually, I mean, I was so lost. I mentioned this to dusty today in the lock shop. I was so lost on Sunday. Uh, without football i mean the first sunday after the super bowl you're just like what the hell what, what am i doing i went out for a couple beers and ended up betting the under on the nba all-star game and the total for the event uh, for the game was 324 and a half and it was just about a 200 points at halftime and i didn't even watch the end i just figured well we lost that one and then got up in the morning and was like, why the heck is there all this money in my account? Oh my God, it actually hit the under. Um, 323 was the total. Uh, LeBron James hit one at the buzzer for a 163-160 win. I cannot imagine how good these bookmakers are to uh, to do it. But you know, everyone wants to bet the over. I just kind of was a little con uh contrary in their ream but the good thing was i didn't sit through the entire game i did watch some of it earlier on um it, what a challenge for these all-star games to have compelling theater right now because nobody much like the national hockey league where nobody plays defense i mean it was so bad they completely fundamentally changed how it works um but the one different thing is that the nba all the stars want to be there they want to be a part of it so they never have a problem with participation but having a legitimate game seems to still be a challenge. That being said, it was way better than the dunk contest. Yeah, the dunk contest, pretty rough. I did enjoy the uh, entertainment at the All-Star game. Uh, DJ Khaled brought out like a million the special best. guests. We the best. And he just screamed DJ Khaled into the microphone. It was, it was awesome. I know there was NBA, uh, what, NBA 75 as well. They announced like the 75 anniversary team, handed out some jackets. So I, I do enjoy All-Star Weekend, but I agree, you know, All-Star Games, um, to make them comp compelling, as you said, is a challenge in all sports. Maybe not baseball, but, I mean, the Pro Bowl is like a glorified practice. Uh, NHL, I mean, it's like, it's a half-assed scrimmage now. Uh, NBA, as you said, same, same thing. So I don't know what you do. Uh, they're great marketing opportunities for the game, but... When you're putting together like an actual all-star game, I mean, I don't know what you do to make people want to watch it. I don't know what the ratings are or not, but yeah, uh, well, and you know, you and, and Bruce said in chat, I mean, baseball is pretty much the only compelling all-star game, but we're not talking about that at all. Baseball is banned right now from Winnipeg Sports Talk because those idiots are in a lockout right mm -hmm. now and can't get their shit together. So 
until they figure it out, we're not wasting any of our time talking Major League Baseball right now because there's nothing going on. And God knows we've had enough, uh, you know, labor stories in sports over the course of the last 10 years. Bad enough when we have to talk about hockey lockouts. But for Major League Baseball mm-hmm. and the situation they're being in, to be where they're at right now, probably missing a good chunk of the season, it's going to serve them right for all the negative after effects of whatever's happening or isn't happening right now between the league and the Ugh. PA. I'm actually getting, I'm getting angry, physically ill, thinking about baseball, how disgusting it is that they're not playing. Like, figure it out. They're not even trying to. The owners don't want to play. They don't want to put together competitive teams. Uh, they don't want to play, pay the players what they're worth. Uh, it's extremely disappointing. And I don't, I'm, all, I'm still pissed off from 2020 when, you know, we were dying for sports and they couldn't figure it out. And here they are again. They, and I know, they, it I know serves it's banned. them right. Yeah, I know it's banned from the discussion, the, the lockout, but it makes me sick. I removed my credit card from uh, MLB TV so I don't get automatically re- renewed. Um, absolutely disgusting what's happening with hey, baseball. Hey, Schickster, Aussie rules first bounced March 16. Huss, uh, I'm ready for it. Wide world of wagering will return and uh, will definitely be... Uh, Probably not talking about a lot of Aussie rules football on the program, but we'll definitely hit it uh, coming up on the log shop. All right. Well, two hour counseling session for all of us here in Jets Nation today after a real tough weekend for the Winnipeg Jets, but they're back at it tomorrow against the Dallas Stars monster game. Ken Weeb will join us. We'll have that and much more on tomorrow's program. Um, a big thanks to everyone that joined us today live on YouTube and, of course, everyone listening on the podcast and all of uh, our guests, Rod Peterson and, of course, Mike McIntyre and our sponsors, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and, of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, stay warm. Uh The end is hopefully near of this crazy Arctic run. Uh, We'll have a game tomorrow. And by the time we get to the weekend, a couple more games and hopefully uh, can actually go outside without freezing our faces in 30 seconds. Uh, Thanks for making us a party today, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow at one o'clock live on YouTube and later on the afternoon, your podcast feed before the Jets go at it with the Dallas Stars. Have a great night. and Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.